Welcome to Shardcast, the Brandon Sanderson podcast. We're a bunch of mega fans giving you the news, discussion, and of course, a whole lot of opinions about Brandon's works and the Cosmere. I'm Eric, and joining me is Alex. Hello, I'm Feather Rider. Also joining us is Ian. Hello, I am Weary Rider, and I have show and tell today. Okay. <laughs> so, we are all familiar with yes. the little... Hardcover for Oh, you got yours? You got yours. Ah, yeah. you Very, very similar. It is not exactly the same dimensionally. It's like. Wait, is it not the same dimensionally? It's slightly taller and it's like oh, shorter it on the taller? No. That's a little like, annoying. Like the, the height isn't as noticeable as like it is like. Well, can you like show us the, the yeah. spine? Uh... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like front to back, it's shorter. Well, I I, I know I, Mark, spine, Mark is going to be annoyed. Spine height, yeah, Jess is going to be annoyed for sure about that. But yeah, we don't have ours yet. Yeah, but like yeah, overall, and it's like Edge Dancer has the like curved pages. Um, All I care about is spine height. <laughs> to be honest, that's yeah, the only I, thing I actually care about. We have kings. Which oh. I will prime, which mm. I will maybe read at some point. Mm. We'll read about all the crom. How does the how does the cover feel? Does it feel like leathery? Not it's leathery, like fabric. But... Okay, yeah, fabric. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. that's what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. So they've they've been sending out those Kickstarter things. Uh, I have no idea when this episode's coming out. Maybe May or something. Uh, it's early April when we're recording this. So, um, yeah. But yeah. Maybe now that I have it this physically i will actually read it but mm -hmm. i'll say like this spine heights is off maybe a millimeter or two so <laughs> you shouldn't have pointed it <laughs> out i know Eric, well, I would have have we would have noticed we would have noticed we would have noticed uh are the coins coming out soon uh they they haven't well, that's not i don't think they have they've started, started getting them still... in still waiting on cards yeah. as of oh, like, right, 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 right. the end yeah. of March. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, those will be all part of the swag batch. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the co the coins are pretty much done, so. Yeah. Cool. Also joining us is Evgeny. Hey, what's up? Hi, what up? Uh, they, they call me Argent in some places, and they call me other things in other places, and they call me really mean things in some other places. I don't know why that is. What? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah like like there was this this one time i was in this one place and then this one person was like hey asshole i'm like that's not my name hey this 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 is not show and tell uh now you're just padding time legit <laughs> <laughs> okay fine uh show and tell show and tell uh the thing i was originally gonna show and tell is this i'm still writing the horizon zero dawn uh -huh. excitement yeah it's a it's a lovely Art book? Comic. Oh, a comic. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, cute. Let's see if the library has that one. Uh, it, it looks gorgeous, and it's also cheap. And I've also spent, like, a couple of hundred bucks on Horizon Zero Dawn merch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the, other, the other thing that I actually had to go downstairs to grab was this Australian whiskey that I got oh. called... Mm -hmm. Star Word. Did you tell Jess about that? I think she yes. recognized that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I, I got it because Lady, Lady Lemnus, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jess. She she recognized, uh, or did she recommend it to you? 
Uh, I don't know if she recommended it, okay. but she she brought it up as a hey, that's a thing, and it has a star because yep. star sight and word like skyward. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember this. Yeah. And so I I found it at a at a local place, and I and I bought it. And it's it's actually pretty nice bourbon. Or uh, is it? No, it's not bourbon. Bourbon has to be American. Uh, pretty nice whiskey, cool. aged in red wine barrels, and you can really like taste the the red wine in that. It's kind of amazing. Wow. If, if you if you are allowed to drink, that is, you can taste it if you yeah. Okay, not then. Oh boy! Great. Hi, I'm Margent. Hi. Uh, also, we got Grace. Hey, what's up? Hey, I'm Gator Girl. I don't have any exciting show and tell. Okay, so. great. No. Uh, also, we have Joshua. Hey, what's up? Hey, I'm Joshua. Joshua. Jeez, <laughs> you guys Josh. are brainwashing me. Yeah, I've got yeah. a question. I've got a question. Um, uh-huh. When are we going to do Infinity Blade cast? Uh, <laughs> we <laughs> should I, do Infinity Blade I, cast. So I uh, well, right after I the Krem cast. <laughs> <laughs> I um I recently realized that uh, my library has it gives you a like you're signing up the library you get a subscription to Hoopla which is a, a site that has like, like audiobooks and mm-hmm. multimedia stuff. Uh-huh. I think it's I think most libraries in the U.S. Um, a lot of them at least have give you a subscription to Hoopla. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had the Infinity Blade audiobook. Um, they also had the White Sand graphic audio. Um, wow. Some other stuff that I've been listening to. So, wow, um, that's a good supply. Yeah. Cool. White Sand There's graphic a- audio, by the way. Um, I didn't realize there was graphic audio for White yeah. Sand. Yeah, they that's use some of the pros to supplement. It's It's got more stuff in it than it's in the graphic novel. I don't know. I think a lot of people, like if you're turned off by the graphic novel, it's a good... Uh, it's a good option to go do that. Yeah. Some funny errors. Um, oh, yeah. My favorite was uh, there's a scene that's like it's supposed to be like at night or whatever, like the time of day when people were mostly sleeping. Uh, they had some like owl music or some owl sound effects in the background. So love it. T- typical white um, sand fashion. But <laughs> I, I think I think one of the most notable things in the graphic audio audio book is the fact that if you are familiar with their other Cosmere productions, you can instantly recognize the voice actor for Hoyd. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Oh, Hoyd. Uh, that's Always pretty funny. Uh, for real. And, and like, he, he obviously like plays Hoyd. So like, Because in the yeah. graphic novel, it's not super clear that mm. this is Hoyd. It's kind of heavily implied, but it's not super clear. Mm. But when you listen to it, I'm like, oh. Mm. <laughs> oh, this Bart, this Trabadour character. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Shockingly, the person who the the random bard who's singing is Hoyt. I know. Very surprising. <laughs> yeah. I'm Chaos, and what we're gonna do today is we're gonna go through basically all the words of Brandon for the first quarter of this year. Uh, we got everything, even a, a little bit of April as well. Uh, and we're gonna start by making content on the content you already listened to. <laughs> Uh, our Shardcast interview with Brandon, where you you should go listen to that. But now we're gonna analyze that. So yeah, I'm sure you know what it will be done? very exciting. What what we should have done was a video where we react to our interview Ooh, with Brandon. Shardcast then, reacts to Shardcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. then we do this, and then, which is but, the analysis. But the review of the reaction. 
Oh well, boy. That's the next thing we do. Ah, okay. Yes. Contentception. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, the, that, that's one good. of those instances where we send it to Brandon Swan a stream. He could do like Brandon reacts to shortcast, <laughs> reacting to shortcast, <laughs> reacting to Brandon. <laughs> oh, Just go seven levels deep. Excellent. Excellent. Really milk Brandon's face as a thumbnail. <laughs> Great. Yeah, well, we're 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 gonna talk about words of Brandon. And so we're oh, I should probably actually go into the Bob mode, huh? Whoop, whoop, yep. whoop, 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 All right. Whoop, so whoop, whoop. a lot of these words of Brandon in this episode are like really long because Brandon likes to talk a lot. I don't know if you knew this, but he he <laughs> does like to talk, uh, which is great to listen to. And you should definitely listen to our episode. Uh, link in the description. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, we're going to paraphrase these because we have about double the amount of pages in our WAM document as normal, and I think some of our words of Brandon are literally just a full page in Google Docs of just Brandon talking. More. Some are more. Yeah. So, we're gonna do some paraphrasing. Uh, have fun, Ben, who's editing this episode, fitting them on the screen. I don't know what that'll look like, but you'll find out. So, top of the list, if you were here during the part one preview chapters for rhythm of war where brandon said where brandon casually mentioned that they tossed the gemstone with a thrill into the ocean uh in the book and there were some people on reddit like what why would they do that and brandon said (laughs) it's more secure than you'd think and so top priority was (laughs) to ask what the crap does that mean? And so Brandon said that at Yasna's suggestion, which came through Hoyt, so it's Hoyt and Yasna approved, they locked it in an aluminum box and tossed it in the ocean. <laughs> Yay! Um, yeah. But, but Brandon was saying that, like, you know, the enemy could get to it. They could they could find it in uh, Shades Mar uh, pretty easily. And so aluminum's going to help with that and you know tossing it in the ocean that's going to be very difficult to find with uh cosmere magics and stuff um and and brandon does say it's not a great solution it there just isn't a a really a good one i just want to point out that naz was able to find yasna's trunk at the bottom of the ocean and that isn't an unmade (laughs) which i would think it would be harder to find the box than an unmade so, like, this is really not a good idea. Well, I feel like they would have... I mean, we, we have a ship called the Wandersail, which apparently can go through high storms. So they could, like, throw it out, like, way off sea. Whereas, like, the wind's pleasure would have been, like, near the coast. Right? They can also just fly to, like, the other side of the planet. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, we, we do have wind runners. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah. I was gonna say, so- I feel like the bottom of the ocean is more secure if we did this on, like, Skadriel or Nalthus where people don't have powers that like literally give them control over pressure and things that usually <laughs> prohibit you from getting to the bottom of I mean, the that's, ocean. that's a good point. That's a solid like, point. But at least the fuse uh, don't have the shard plate, you know? Yeah. I, I have opinions on all these things. Number one, <laughs> uh, I bet that Nas like had a pretty good idea of where the shipwreck happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he had a pretty close way so look whereas this is presumably like randomly out in the middle of the nowhere yeah um i do think that the ocean i think it's more vulnerable probably on the shades mar side 
like it's searching all the bottoms mm. of the oceans is is comp is difficult but on in shades Mar, it's on the land so i i would think that they would want to look for it there mm -hmm. um number three I, this like their whole plan of doing this doesn't particularly bother me i I don't, I don't really have a better idea of where they would hide yeah. it. Um, most people want them to have like hidden it somewhere, like where they not just randomly, like go like lock it in a box in a or something Depends to me. Like, it. like, so part two of, of <laughs> rhythm of war, they've, they've captured a So like they would have found the thrill if it was in the tower. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. It seems like it was a reasonable thing to do to me. Yeah. yeah. So qu question in shades, would it be on the surface or would it be like down inside the the dough? It's a good question. Good question. Because like the fish souls mm -hmm. are like inside the stone. Mm. Yep. Ooh, yep. then you'd have to actually go through the obsidian and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Minecraft Roshar edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Literal. Yeah, actually. You you don't really need to hide it somewhere they can't find. You just need to hide it somewhere inconvenient enough that they don't think it's worthwhile at the moment. True. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a it's a big stalling tactic, is what it is. And and you know, just thinking about like on a shardy level, uh, you know, at least Rune and Preservation can't see metals, and I see no reason why other shards would be able to see metals either i i think that's still plausible um ooh, maybe maybe then you could see the metal shining if you were like odium right mm, maybe yeah. that's a problem hold up hold up let's 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 put a hold on that thought okay um because runic preservation have a very unique relationship to metal. Well, that's true, but metals have spiritual integrity and still matter elsewhere. So it's like I don't even know what's real or not. Like, I mean, we yeah, you're right. You're you're totally right. We don't know how the other shards like see metal if they do or not, right? And I'm I'm trying to think. We obviously don't have a whole lot of POVs from like shards. Yeah. Uh, other other than um... oh, spoilers by the way, guys. Rhythm of War and other things, most mostly Rhythm of War for for these. Just you know. yeah, um, and we don't really have anything from like the, that brief moment when Teravengian ascends. Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't note yeah. that Meadow is weird to him, but he also doesn't. He was also thinking about that. other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I think that's still a question mark. But maybe aluminum's weird, like. Maybe aluminum actually like wouldn't shine brightly, and it'd just be like nothing to a shard. Maybe it's hard, hard to say because like yeah. the, the whole point with the you know the the adium cache was that you know it was already surrounded by metal, so ruin would never know that it's actually there. Yeah. Whereas like if you just dumped a hunk of metal in the ocean, like that, hey, it's there. It's a big hunk of metal. <laughs> there we go. Mm -hmm. uh, but. But yeah, we, we, we don't really know the details, but but like even still, like it's not going to be that big. Of yeah, a chunk that's of, true. That's true. So it's like looking. The ocean is big. The so. ocean is big. What? See you in 2021. What, what this makes me curious about is just like. Where's Ba Adomishram? Like if yeah. if you have one, you have an unmade hidden 
somewhere somehow like the ancient Rashorids managed to hide an unmade well enough that like we have absolutely no idea where she is uh, and, and this just makes me even more curious about all of that and even more so than like more so than me caring about like how secure the thrill is that uh, that is true and brandon's <laughs> even saying as we talk about a certain other unmade who is somewhere locked in a gemstone that might come up in the next book maybe maybe <laughs> Uh, we'll talk more about this. We better get some pot of yeah. stuff. I think that Brandon's just being a troll there. Uh, I was I was gonna say, um you hope? I think even I, even I without do. this comment, I think Shinovar is a great place yeah. for Bottom Mission to yeah. be in. Uh for thematic reasons, for narrative reasons, but also for uh the fact that we know that Odium's forces have been focusing on Shinovar as of this most recent return and that's a that's a great reason for them to uh to be interested in hmm. that place yeah and you know all of our teams going to shinovar so sure why not <laughs> that seems reasonable cool our next question uh was talking about actually how our website 17th shard got its name which came from brandon yes um before we had Yes, like way, 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 way back. Um, and Brandon said, oh, you should name yourselves the 17th Shard. That's a cool little nod to something in-universe. Um, before anyone, and then Brandon corrects himself and says, uh, you really don't know what they are even yet. <laughs> oh, no, we we're like, yeah, we don't. So um, Brandon then confirms that if he writes the Silverlight novella, they will be involved in that. Right. So we would get to see some 17th Shard stuff awesome. if that happens. But awesome. Even more reasons to be hyped for Silverlight. Yeah, that's true. Because that for place now, is apparently weird. So oh. mysterious. Very I, mysterious. I, I don't know if I'm more excited about Silverlight or like Dragon Steel. <laughs> mm, uh, I mean... Mm. I'm more excited for Dragonsteel, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, I do want to see the shattering. Uh, I, I want to yeah. see Hoyd and Race being friends and then that not going great. Sounds mm. awesome. Oh, to me, but... Also, for all of you grammar nerds out there, our website is with numerals, the yes, one seventh that's right. shard. And the in-world world hopping yeah. organization is spelled out with all letters 17th shard. Yeah, 17th. I I, I no. knew that if we if we made our domain and we spelled it out, no one would ever be able to spell it right. So I just went with numerals. <laughs> so I, I think I think I made the right yeah. call there. Um gotta be honest. <laughs> now we can differentiate between if yep. we're talking about the fan site or yep. the world hopping that's organization. Right. That's that's a good thing to note. So this next one is from Feather. And is uh, talking about, like, especially with the live streams this year, you get lots of questions from the fandom. How do you feel about the culture around Words of Brandon? Do you ever worry the fandom takes them too seriously? Who would ever do podcasts about Words of Brandon? <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And Brandon is like, he does worry, and he tries to impress that Words of Brandon are not set in stone yep. they're canon unless he decides to change yep. them in the books mm -hmm. so it's like yeah you can take them take them with a grain of salt and if it contradicts something in the book the book takes precedence yep mm -hmm. and but like and he goes into like he grew up in wheel of time fandom so like he's he is used to this yeah. to a certain extent okay and yeah and he, and he would rather 
people be paying too much attention than nobody paying attention. That's true. That that's that's yeah. a very positive outlook that Brandon has. I'm um, not I'm not surprised. Brandon generally has a po- optimistic outlook for most things. And, and then he talks about how he does screw words of Brandon up a lot of time where oh, he answers questions that aren't actually being asked. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's worth noting that even even in the fluid canonicity of words of Brandon people should be aware of the context of where the, the wab is coming from right so if you if brandon is walking down the street and he's having a conversation with his family and then a crazy homeless guy just runs up to him Named and is like i have a home <laughs> for now <laughs> brandon purchases um, of teddy's house and <laughs> no um just him, not the rest of his family. Yeah, only crazy, him. <laughs> crazy, crazy homeless guy who's not Argent runs up to him and and just dumps some some question at a at a knife point, gun point, and this is <laughs> random. Knife gun point. <laughs> it's a bayonet. Very yeah, 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 yeah. At, at that, because home. Look, just just go with it. I I know there is some implausibility <laughs> this in this is the scenario. rails. This is where we are. <laughs> <laughs> But, but like, and so, but, but Brandon is still distracted by the conversation with his family. And so he's just like, oh, uh, Rafa, uh, <laughs> 17. I really know what this guy asked. <laughs> and, and just like gives an answer and continues walking. And the Tell guy's like, boy, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so like, don't the do fact, this. Don't the, do this. <laughs> the fact that Brandon was distracted at the moment or thinking about something else, um, needs to be kept in context when kind of weighing the the plausibility of like of of the swab in the future also i i generally just don't trust brandon to make timeline calls on the spot because oh yeah or science calls or science calls (laughs) we'll we'll see later in this where brandon's like i think rhythm of war is the furthest along in the timeline it's like that's not what you said it's like oh yeah that that is what I said, right? So yeah. it's like any anytime Brandon says a timeline thing, I'm like, I don't think you should trust that at all, unless that's yeah. consistent with yeah. what he said before. It's, it's important to remember that Brandon does not keep the whole Cosmere in his head. Like, oh. there's an internal wiki that keeps track of all the fiddly details and stuff. Karen has him. the timeline, and trust Karen to for yeah. timeline details. And Brandon's just like, I just wrote a cool story, make it work. Uh, so. Any anything you get off the cuff from Brandon, like citation needed mm-hmm. until there is a citation yeah. that's not that's not permanent. Like, I don't think we talked about this on air, but I remember th- like when Rhythm of War came out, there were like tons of like really long YouTube videos and uh, from Brandon. And I think there was one with uh, Peter and Karen and they were talking <laughs> about how at the end of Rhythm of War, Brandon like really didn't want there to be an additional day and karen went through all the like stuff to try and fit (laughs) this the last day of rhythm of war into a day and then brandon's like okay yeah we can do another day brandon just writes a cool story the continuity come with timeline definitely comes later uh so yeah I'm still not convinced that Era 2 is going to be between the two halves of Stormlight until, like, 
we got some really concrete details about those things. Brandon can change that whenever he wants, uh, if yeah. it fits in his behind-the-scenes narrative that we don't really know. So, uh, yeah. So, keeping up with, uh, we're never gonna have somebody read the question that they actually asked. Hey, I read mine. Ian asked the question about uh, the popularization of the term Fabriel uh, in the same way that uh, <clears throat> the term Ansible was popularized to, to mean uh, instantaneous communication device. And, and how would Brandon feel about uh, Fabriel doing a similar thing, which uh, expectedly he would, be, he would be thrilled if that happened. You've wanted um, to ask that for a long time, Ian. I have. That has been my, like, if I ever go to like assigning like that that was going to be my like general q a question yep now i have to come up with a new one <laughs> again but yeah i i tried to uh adopt that question and it was in my list for several years but ian beat me to his own question <laughs> yeah which is yeah. impressive with how many questions Arjun has asked <laughs> yeah that's true. true that's true Arjun obviously wasn't trying hard enough <laughs> I, that's what I, that's what it is. Yes, the lack of trying. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> but th this does make me very happy because now I can use the term Fabriol with zero compunction. So, um, in this next question, uh, was asked uh, how people knowing more about the Cosmere changed how you've written the books, and if he's put in more connections or fewer than he planned. And Brandon says he's put in more. And that's really something that he felt like he can do since the creation of the internet. And before the internet, he doesn't think that that, like, before fan wikis and things, like, the copper mines, uh, that's not something that he could do. And that's, it's also sort of what made things like the MCU possible. It's always a, a topic of some contention, I think, um, about how much connection is too much connection in the Cosmere. Yeah. Um, and I, People didn't even like Ghostbringer. I thought it was too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and especially with Rhythm of War, like Rhythm of War is, it's not like a full kind of blown, like a Cosmere crossover story, but it's <laughs> it, it really feels like it's getting there, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's I still fine. I th also think it's still fine. I think if you're a Stormlight-only reader, I think Rhythm of War is still fine. Because there's just like, oh, there's other places. And oh, this Vasher guy's weird. Uh, yeah. uh, but I, I think the WandaVision parallel is, is especially noteworthy in this. Because I wouldn't say WandaVision is necessarily like a, a, like a crossover MCU story. Like, it's still very much about Wanda and about Vision. And yeah, you need some context to know, like, who Wanda is and who Vision was, is. Uh, but, like, you don't need to know about Iron Man, you don't need to know about Spider-Man or Thor. Like, they're mentioned, and it really helps if you know, like, how the events uh, got to WandaVision. But you don't need to know these things. And I think Rhythm yeah. of War feels very, very similar to that. Yeah, I have Grace, go ahead. I have always said that people who are into the MCU and into the Cosmere overestimate how much knowledge you need to enjoy these stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like um I, I really enjoyed WandaVision. I still haven't seen Age of Ultron. 
Oh. Uh, I mean, you're not missing, missing much. Missing a ton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen, like, Infinity War and Endgame. There you go. And it's actually, I was just talking with my sister a couple weeks ago, because, like, she'd been hearing about WandaVision. It's like, do I have to watch anything? It's like, just, like, find a video, like, like a short, like, 10-minute video, like, to, like, catch you up on, like, what you should know going in. It's like, you don't have to watch, like, every MCU movie mm-hmm. to enjoy yeah. WandaVision. And Marvel knows that because they are providing those 10-minute videos, like, mm-hmm. on Disney+. Plus. Oh, really? Oh, there you yeah. go. They have, they have Marvel Legends. It's like 10-minute recaps of the characters oh, nice. of the TV shows. Hey, there you <laughs> go. This is a, a really interesting thing that I noticed. Like, even, like, normal TV shows that aren't, like, big crossover things are starting to do this because they know that people lean on the internet to keep up with media. Yeah. Um, like, I started... A couple, oh, probably a couple years ago, I watched like the first season of Good Girls on Netflix because it was on there and it looked interesting. It's fine. And then came back to Netflix a couple years later and they had a couple more seasons. And I was like, oh man, I totally don't remember whatever that first season was. You head over to YouTube and look, NBC has created a 10 minute recap of the first season. If you're lost, here you go. And like, this is just kind of what people do is you need. It, it doesn't even have to be a big crossover thing for people to want those sort of extra resources to help them keep track of everything. Yeah. Yep. Nobody nobody keeps everything in their head anymore. No, um, they, and they don't have to. For series and stuff. Whereas like, even, even the most basic things are providing you with these resources. Like late 90s, early 2000s, you, you, it would not be the same. Yeah. yeah. It actually reminds me of um, World of Warcraft, uh, popular mm. MMO, you may have heard of it. Uh, recently as in in the in the last couple of expansions started doing kind of cross-media narrative so yeah yeah previously in the lead up to a new expansion they would release a novel that kind of ties the events from the previous expansion into the new one as a as a and it's a novel it's a story and recently they've started doing um they do the novel but they also do like short comics and they do short stories and they do videos and do like all of these different media formats that touch on all like a bunch of different aspects of the tie over the crossover story and then going into a new expansion you're kind of almost expected to have consumed all of these to have the full context of what is going on Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a bit controversial but also a lot of people just consume all of these things yeah the, the kingdom hearts method of <laughs> that is true <laughs> star wars um has started doing with that like they just did their new publishing initiative like the the high republic yep. where it's like they got a team of writers together and so like there are novels there are middle grade novels like there's comics there's like all these different things but like with a cohesive story team mm, yeah. make sure that they all fit together mm. yeah it's interesting i i really don't think if you're a main stormlight person that you have to read warbreaker before stormlight like honestly no. <laughs> you don't like you, you you'll you'll figure no. it out from context that night blood's really powerful you'll you'll figure it out uh <laughs> long before that like is super important um yeah, yeah. It, it's know. enough to know that that nightbot is a weird shard blade you don't need to know that it comes from a different world no 
or the details of how it was created, because that honestly doesn't really even come up here. I think this idea of like having the big crossover MCU style multimedia experience is something that people are realizing a lot of people enjoy if you want to go deep and dig into all of the little crossovers and all of the little different kinds of media. Like, I think that's something that more works are starting to cater to. And I think the sort of like the balance that people are trying to find is having enough depth and cool crossover stuff for the fans that do want to dig super deep, but also having your story be cohesive on the surface level for people who are just here for, I want to read the thing and then I'm done. I don't want to spend months of my life on this. Yeah. And so I think Brandon walks that line really well. And I feel like he kind of got a jump start. I think other people are now kind of figuring out like, ooh, we can have a big cinematic universe or whatever. Yeah. And keep fans really engaged. Uh, but yeah, you do. If you if you go too far on one side, you do get the Kingdom Hearts problem where it's like you have to play all of these games on all these different consoles and some of them aren't available anymore. But if you don't, you don't know who these people are and it's confusing versus having your crossovers be so subtle that there's not really any depth to um, to analyze for the fans who do want to go hardcore. Reading Stormlight and Mistborn, you'll be fine. <laughs> Honestly. Pretty much. All right. So the next question uh, was from Ian. Um, he said, you killed Ray's this book. Can you talk about why you decided to kill him off and uh, have Tarvangian be Odium instead? Was that always part of the plan? Um, so long one for brandon this is a very long one I got this the is a very long Holy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is one that's over a full page in the actual that's thing why, that's why i've highlighted I like about halfway through there's a line where brandon says there's a long-winded perhaps a little wishy-washy answer to you. <laughs> have fun editing <laughs> <Sorry>. this ben <laughs> Oh, uh, so uh so brandon's answer is a little long but um i'll read some snippets from it long. um he's um he said the reason Ray's needed to go he has been uh he has he had been essentially defeated at the end of Oathbringer. When Dalinar does not go over to him, uh, all his rage and everything he's trying to do cannot make that happen. He's defeated, at least in a philosophical sense. Now, you can bring a defeated enemy back to be a threat again. Uh, you can find a new way to make them a threat. But I knew in this book, Kaladin was going, wasn't going to fall to him either. Um, and But once you've uh, had two books in a row with the characters' uh, machinations not uh, th- with things stimmied by the heroes, you need a different villain at that point. Um, and so Brandon basically is saying that uh, Ray's was basically defeated by Dalinar and Oathbringer. He's kind of turned away again by Kaladin. And so at that point, you get into the fifth book and he's kind of a lame duck enemy that's not really interesting to anybody anymore. And so that was uh, his decision to, I guess, when he restructured Stormlight Archive and, and moved Oathbringer up to book three. Um, Rather than book five. The way the things played out, he needed raised. He needed to swap out Rays as with a different villain. Um, uh, he says that Tarvagian is much more identifiable as a villain, um, and I think that's the gist of it. Um, th- there's a lot of of development Brandon has done for Tarvagian to really make him really well suited for the role. I think. Um, yeah. So. It's a very good foil for Dalinar in many ways. It's such a good foil. Like I'm so pumped for book five because of that change. Like it's it's such a great change, and it's gonna go so badly. Yeah. When when you realize what's happening in that scene, it's like, 
oh, this is scary. This is uh, really Tara, scary. Taravantia becoming Odium, like, yikes. Oh, that's <laughs> so yikes. bad. Yeah, yeah, because like, definitely up until that point, they were starting to realize, like, oh, yeah, like, Ray says Odium can be defeated. Like, we've seen him be defeated twice. Radius is gone now. Like, um... Yikes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. There's, yeah. Ray says Odium was defeated, just not by the person we wanted him to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, th- yeah. I think a big factor in what makes what made race as Odium kind of scary is is how un- there's a lot of unknowns. Um, he's he's terrifying because you you've never met Odium, and then he walks onto the screen, and he's very powerful. He's scary. We don't we don't know much about him. The fact that we spent now kind of Oathbringer and especially Rhythm of War really getting to know him a lot better, and that kind of takes away that mystery yeah. that's <clears throat> attached to him. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's definitely a good call on that front as well, because Tarvangian is we is like is a villain that we know who's scary for specific reasons that we already understand. And so now he's been given power that makes those things more scary. Mm-hmm. And and at the end of this, um, <clears throat> Brandon says that his outlines are pretty organic because he doesn't like plan out the character relationships. Like he didn't plan who Shalon was going to end up with. He that happened really organically, and uh, he he does say that's like <laughs> he was joking that the nefarious beta readers made it that way. Brandon's like, no, 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 that's that's not what happened. Um, and they're just decisions Brandon makes on giving life to the characters and uh, and things. Um, and so he's not a slave to the outline because like when he moved down art of book three that changed a lot of things and he moved you know listener stuff from this flashback book to words of radiance right that changed a lot of things too it would be really interesting one day to to like hear what his outline was if it if it had gone the other plan i wonder yeah that's I what know, i was what thinking as well like. mm-hmm. yeah because i because i want because like then odium probably would not have been defeated in the same way in book three like yeah. the whole you cannot have my pain probably would have been the climax of book, book five. five. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. Which, which means that the whole switch to Terravengian was probably not going to be necessary until that point. Yeah. Uh, right. Because mm-hmm. Odium wouldn't, wouldn't have had this streak of defeats in, in three and four. So it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think like how, how a change like that yeah. affects the scope of the Cosmere so much. Yeah, you're totally right. And Brandon, I think somewhere else in this, Brandon was like saying, no, he he does, though there could be other versions of these, he goes with the one that he feels makes the most sense. Uh, so, like, there, mm-hmm. there, there probably is a version where Shallan ends up with Kaladin, but Brandon at least feels that that's a worse version of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that yeah. that point about Taravangian was scary before he was Odium yeah. is really important for why he works so well as a replacement for our like big big bad yeah. um, you know there's kind of a, a concept of like power makes people more themselves um, and the fact that we knew uh, we already knew like how ruthless and cutthroat Taravangian was like all of the things he was willing to do 
even even on days when he was compassionate, you know, we talk about like, yeah, smart Taravangian doesn't have emotions. Sure, he'll do evil things. But he still did the evil things when he felt really bad about it. Like he pushed through to keep doing the super, super bad things. And so now it's like, okay, yeah, this is a guy who nothing is off the table. Nothing is going to hold him back. If he thinks it's going to get his goals done, he will do it. And there are not moral boundaries that I don't think there's any that he's willing to you know not cross the ends always yeah. justify the means for teravangian yeah. literally Please. always this this reminds me of a really interesting parallel that i hadn't noticed before and that is all the way back in the way of kings i think when hoyd is speaking with dalinar i think like for the very first time or the second time or whatever and Hoyd's like if um obviously i don't remember the quotation but um if if I have to let this world burn mm. to keep rays contained, I will do that. I will do that with tears in my eyes, but I will let this world burn. And mm. that's so similar to the way Teravengian approaches. Mm. Yeah, I mm -hmm. it hurts me to do this, but I will do this. Mm. That's true. That's interesting. Which adds an extra little bit towards that that epilogue of rhythm of war yeah it does make me wonder like if like we had we didn't have the you cannot have my pain moment until book five and like teravangian doesn't ascend like where would teravangian have gone because it's like yeah this is kind of what he was being built up to like with his gift from cultivation like, yeah. how would Brandon have used that in a different way? Yeah. And, and like he, he says, ah, there's different options and opportunities. So it's like, it, it's just so interesting. But I definitely yeah. think this is a better book than the one where Dalnar has You Cannot Have My Pain at book five. Like, this is way more interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would be really interesting to ask some of these things once book five comes out. Yeah, that's, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then I, I bet we could get some actual like answers as to what the plan would have been speaking of planning i asked oh see oh, works out uh <laughs> it only works out for you, though. yeah it does. no it's gonna work for feather it's next. gonna work for yeah. me too the, right, the one cool. after this is me <laughs> um where i ask like how much does he plan in the cosmere uh going on that same line it, it was actually so good in that brandon episode that we we had our carefully plotted list of questions and brandon goes on this long thing about planning and then it's like well let's talk about some planning things it, it worked out yeah. there was some nice flow that brandon even we didn't even intend that worked uh anyway just like things with like the black sphere being anti-investiture testament shalon were those part of the plan or options uh he doesn't really talk about the um Shalon Testament thing, but he does talk about anti-investiture a lot. So he says those were always options, and anti-investiture has been pretty core for a long time. And there are a couple reasons for this. Uh, and he says he needed to get resources into the Cosmere for use in the future, and anti-investor is one of those. And he's pushing Stormlight to be more Magitech, and pushing Mistborn to be more Earth Analog Tech. Uh, with with some fantastical things, but like if you have a radio on schedule, it's a radio. Um, but like on Roshar, things are just going to be like all Magitech all the time, basically. Um, with mm -hmm. weird airships. 
Uh, and he wants anti-investiture uh, to be in the Cosmere. And he, you know, basically wanted a way to kill Radiance because Radiance are super powerful and magical healing. And um, yeah, anti-investor does that real good. Uh, it definitely brings the sense of danger back. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about how, oh, in the Cosmere, like coming back to life is a is a theme. But uh, this is a anti-investor is the key way to kill a cognitive shadow. Works great. <laughs> Dead is dead. Dead, yeah, very dead. Uh, like Lesian's dead, dead. Um, and so he he needed that Cosmere. No, no, no. You're super dead. You're, there's no way you're coming back. Which, to be fair, is is kind of good because Brandon does tend to bring back a lot of characters. So I think this this part about like we need real, very tangible threats to our radiance and this threat of permadeath was really the part of this answer that clicked with me. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And I know I've talked about like Stormlight is destiny, but this is something that destiny is also concurrently figuring out about you have a setting where most of your main characters are immortal and can come back from dying over and over. And that's part of the gameplay mechanics of like you die, somebody comes and reses you. It's no big deal. Um, all of a sudden Destiny's story has started getting good because they started finding ways to subvert that. And they started like, we're going to kill a major guardian character. We're going to have assassination threats. Your characters are actually really in danger and you're going to feel it and you might lose your faves. And I think seeing that how much that's improved to Destiny's story, like Destiny's story was not that good. Now it's getting much better because we added this threat. Like Brandon's stories already were good. Oh, but look, we're adding the thread and it really does just like pack so much more punch into a plot when you have those like, oh, we're really in danger now. They might not make it out. Ooh. Mm. I know I've I was talking with uh, Murphy Napier about uh, Rhythm of War, and she definitely felt that in Rhythm of War, there weren't that high of stakes, right? That like Calden was never going to fall and like. Calden's super powerful, and it's like, yeah, our Radiants are really overpowered, to be perfectly yeah. honest. And, like, Brandon did pretty good, I felt, with, like, the suppression Fabriel to, like, make Calden's super awesome healing to be less effective and have more stakes. But, like, man, stakes are good. Stakes really, like, add tension, and uh, when you don't have stakes, it, it really isn't that exciting. So I'm glad he introduced this, because that definitely brings a Oh crap, what is going to happen in book 5? That is not good. That is really not good. We could all die. Interestingly, I think my favorite part of this swap and this is probably one of my one of my top few wobs from this entire interview is kind of the the whole Rashar's future is Magitex, Cadrio's future is Earth analog thing, which <laughs> in retrospect was always kind of going to be the case. Like this yeah. is not something some new revelation that brand is making but like contextualizing it in such a way yeah so like the future of the cosmere are these two superpowers which on one end is very tech focused and on the other end is very magic focused and so you have this really interesting clash of not only technologies magical or less okay. magical uh but also like cultural and mm and stuff like that so it's gonna be awesome. I, I think i think that is real like i think that's a a great end of the cosmere kind of big big picture 
It's got to be so cool. So cool. Very, and very it, like Civil War-ish, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marvel. It, it, yeah. Makes it interesting that that conflict is the third Mistborn trilogy. Yeah. So it's pr- probably going to be from the perspective of the Earth-like tech. So it's yeah. I'm I'm never sure how. Like I feel, I think he said that Era Four books in that last Mistborn trilogy will be like Stormlight length. So I, I it might be more broad than just Mistborn. I'm I'm not, but. but- he still characterizes it as, as a mistborn. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so the next question was from me during the live stream and uh, basically bringing up that Navani and Raboniel's storyline was definitely a favorite in Rhythm of War. Yes. And that I'm sad that we're probably not going to get more Raboniel for a while, which Brandon confirmed, yes, anti-investiture death. Um, she is gone. Uh, but we talked about um, the possibility of like having Harold flashbacks and um, Brandon actually did um, some really cool answering and talking about like wanting to show off the fused and their viewpoints because we hadn't gotten to do that yet in the series. And um, he talked about having her waiting in the wings uh, as race odium became in my mind, less of a threat because Dalinar had just defeated him. <laughs> we talked about that a little bit yep. before. Um <laughs> So Raboniel was then the more personal antagonist who could approach that in a different way. Race was the unknowable evil and she was the very knowable antagonist. I think it really, it really worked. Um, I think he did a really good thing. He talks about making Navani a main character and I think it worked brilliantly. Like Navani really shone in uh, Rhythm It was really War. good. It was really yeah. good. Her dynamic with Rubonia, like they just had amazing rapport. They had an amazing relationship. It was a stellar plot line. And Navani the, finally feeling she's worthy at the end. It's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like so the good. line is like, if you are not a scholar, I have never known one. Yeah. 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 Yep. So good. Cool. But yep. Rubonial's great. Rubonial's great. Yeah, she's she's definitely been a fan favorite. I, it is very sad she's dead, dead. But uh, Harold flashbacks. I like how Brandon's like, oh yeah, you can see her in Harold flashbacks. I hope so. She's great. Please bring her back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in the next swap, he kind of continues continues on from the last one and mentions that in the alpha, like the fr- the first draft that went to writing group, he didn't have the scene where. L kills Lesian permanently, to and his writing group rebelled because they thought Lesian su- survived, and uh, Brandon reassured them um, <laughs> that that. And he goes on to mention is like all these weird fused who've been around way too long. The guy that gave his name to Moash. Yep. Like. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, Lesian sticking around for another book would have been not good. Because he, he, like, I mean, Race had some setbacks, but, like, Lesian was, like, shoved into the ground uh, and utterly humiliated. So it's like, he had had to go. Yeah. No other choice. I, I think there may have been a world where there was an interesting story with him to explore as, like, he is this 
beaten down former legend, but also a shadow of his former self. Mm -hmm. And then he tries to do things, but like his character is so kind of direct and, and driven by primal instincts. Like the way he's portrayed is he would just keep running into Kaladin again and again and, and be defeated again and again. That's yeah. just not compared. Like it's, it's he's not. not the kind of character who's going to like try to innovate and figure out what. So like, it wouldn't even make for good undergod. Yeah, and if like he had survived and Raboniel didn't, like oh, that man. would Raboniel like was a better villain than Leslie yeah. was. Mm-hmm. So if like mm-hmm. you killed off the good villain and kept the like sucky villain, yeah, not a good look. After you've been beaten down that far, like your only recourse if you want to stay alive is to become a comic relief villain. And <laughs> yeah. I don't think Stormlight really needed one of those, but like that's no. the only way you can keep that character yeah. going forward. Yeah. But in a different in a different version of the story, Lesion as a comic relief villain <laughs> sounds amazing. All the fiends right. are just like giving him crap all the time. It's like, yeah, you suck. He just keeps I showing will up get you next time, on. Kaladin. <laughs> Like rocketing off, like Team Rocket. <laughs> I was just about to mention. Blasting off again. Yeah. <laughs> give give him a little AVR to give him crap. That talks back to him. <laughs> nice. Write that oh. fanfic. That's a good one. Yeah. Cool. Um, our next question comes from eric once again ah uh, yes this is uh, one jess really wanted me to ask yeah it it's it's something that's been on, on some people's minds um yeah essentially well we see uh veo in the scene of the bar uh where she's expressing interest in women was that scene meant to canonically confirm that shalan is bisexual and brandon says yes uh that was meant to be read as veil legitimate i realize you can read that as she's just joking around, but no, that's actually Veo expressing interest in ladies. Um, uh, and then I, I wanted to ask, like, well, there, there were some people who were thinking, it's like, oh, maybe Veo's bisexual, but not Shalon. But uh, Brandon does say that, you know, Shalon is bisexual. That that has gotten removed off Shalon's Coppermine article for years since that initial <laughs> confirmation. So I'm just really happy to have like the most solid wob so no one can ever like remove it. Cause it is I mean it's always <laughs> been pretty clear, but like this is very clear. But uh yeah, it it it's interesting how uh you know Vale would be comfortable in saying those feelings whereas shalon probably wouldn't be culturally but yeah she's by so yay shalon's by double triple super confirmed not just fail so that's great this is something like even though it's like very explicitly in the books and now very explicitly confirmed in wobs people still want to miss this fact yeah. It's not. And it's like yeah, if you know that and then you read the books, it's like really obvious. Like if if yeah. you already knew uh, from that from earlier wobs before Rhythm of War, that's like, oh, Shalon's by, then that that scene at the bar is really blatant. <laughs> it's yeah. really blatant. So uh, but obviously, like you're not supposed to be relying on the wobs as a reader. Yeah, no, so. that's that's true. Like I, I like that it was very blatant in this yeah. uh, in this book. Yeah. Um yeah. And so I, I wonder if now we should expect to see just a, a brief nod in book five or later on where like Shalan 
the remarks on this, right? So it's now mm. from her point of view where there's no longer veil. Um, yeah, that would be good. But also maybe that's too much. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wonder if Brandon feels like he has checked it off its list. It's canon now. We don't, we yeah. can move on with plot things. I mean, there's a lot to do in we'll book see. five, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we have a, a brief aside with May Aladar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she was even in Rhythm of War, was she? I don't think Not so. Not that we know. May. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, man. The, the whole, like, original, like, observation began with Yasna's, with, Shalon's descriptions of Yasna, right? So it doesn't even have to yeah. be like a yeah. thing. Like it's just a this one-off comment that she makes is all it really requires. Yeah. Um, I, don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if Brandon will think to do that, but I wouldn't take much. And, and I mean, bisexuality is a spectrum, right? So. Uh. Yeah. And that was one of those things like before we had the swab and people would be like, oh no, it's just Vale. It's not Shalon. And it's like, no, the, the original questions were asked before Vale even existed. <laughs> That's true. That's true. This is yeah. based on the way that Shalon acts in Way of Kings and yeah. the way she talks about how beautiful and perfect Yasna is and how she's she so lovely. Gay. And you, is, is uh, you opened the box of storms within me, brightness and all. Wait, this. is that a line? <laughs> it's a <laughs> canon line <laughs> of Shalon begging Yasna wow. to let her stay. That's that's <laughs> that's that's really gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, so. that that's like when Matt was describing the or the scene with Dalinar and Kadash. The, the wrestling mm. uh, oh, like <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> you, you yeah. it's not very difficult to characterize that as pretty gay nothing nothing to move the plot forward like a couple of half naked men wrestling and grunting <laughs> and talking about how uh, they used to be so close before uh, <laughs> betrayal of trust or whatever it was uh, yep oh boy jeez yep it's, it's pretty gay yeah wow. no it's it's amazing it's amazing what things brandon can write when he's not <laughs> intending to write them and then yeah yeah so in this next one brandon was talking about the decision to incorporate reincorporate veil into shallan he says he recognized that that could be controversial in the did community because there are various different opinions on whether incorporating alters is good for an individual or not and the decision he made on this, it was good for Shalon in that circumstance, using his best understanding of the psychology and the treatment recommendations and knowing both sides of the argument, it was the right thing for Shalon right then. That doesn't mean necessarily that she has to incorporate Radiant in order to be healthy. I will just point that out. And, and it's good that like he is pointing that out, because I think in the book, they Shalon makes a comment about like reincorporating radiant at some point yeah yeah and so that doesn't need to be true for every uh yeah you know system right i think it's a a good thing to be able to point to of this was a decision that brandon you know made with this uh, intentionality and trying to yeah understand the actual context and because i'm sure there, there are people who would think you know oh he's just someone who doesn't get it and he just assumes that this is the solution for everyone yeah. and i think it's it's good to be able to say um you know no he he did know about this he tried to uh research about this and um came came to a decision for this character i think it would be great to have you know representation of 
a DID system that is stable and is not looking to reincorporate and doesn't feel mm-hmm. that they need to do that. Um, I don't know if we're going to get space for that anytime soon. I don't know if we're going to have space for it. Um, it yeah. didn't end up being the way that Shalon's story went. Yeah. But, well, there, we still have Radiant. So, like, I guess, I don't, I don't know if you can argue that, but to me, it seems like if Radiant sticks around, like, you can still have that be true there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, there is the line of like that yeah. they were planning to reincorporate. Yeah, with I, I kind of feel like it's still pointing in that direction that it's like right for Shalon, but that doesn't mean it's right for everyone with DID. Um, it, like, but something might happen in book five, whereas like they decide not to incorporate for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I think we'll it's possible. See. Yeah, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think we can just basically boil this down to. Brandon did this with intent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next question was uh, by Ian. Um, and he's basically just digging for some more information about Raboniel with her being gone. Um, he asked about <laughs> a few different things about whether she not knew about um, that Sunraiser was Eligar's blade um, when she was talking to Navani about um, Raboniel's daughter's death. Um, about revealing to Vinley the survival of the listeners. Uh, Brandon chose to raffle most of those. Um, and he did address the one about her daughter's, the grief over her daughter's death though. Um, Brandon says that she was being completely authentic there. She wasn't just putting on a show. Um, and her desire is really was to bring an end to the war. She's, she's tired of the war and she, her primary goal he says was um, to, to end the war. Uh, he says that she believed that, um, the, the research for anti-investiture was um, what she thought was the best way to make sure that the fighting would end one way or the other. Um, and that's what she was after, even if, even if it was get, you know, at odds with Odium's plans at times. So, cool. um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I, I, I still want to know the other parts of my question, but <laughs> well, it's like, this is, I did think like she was being genuine here. Mm. I think, Raboniel was more genuine than not in Rhythm of War, but that's my own mm-hmm. interpretation. No, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. I also that was definitely yeah. the reading I had of her as well. And I think that's why she was so compelling, mm-hmm. was yeah. that a lot of times she did seem to just be genuine and truthful, and it yeah. worked. Yeah, like it, it reminds me a lot of like Emperor's Soul, where like Shy was able to like manipulate Gautona by being genuine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The best liars are those who tell the truth most of the time. Yeah. Done, Brandon quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that, Mistborn? I think that's Mistborn. I think it is, yeah. So in this next one, Ian asks uh, that, hey, we got four new shards. What made you want to do that? And Brandon basically says, oh, well, you know, we're getting to the point where there'll be a lot of verbal gymnastics to not say them. So he he finally decided on a few new shards, uh, but then there's still two shards and he hasn't picked the right words. Um, and so, like, sometimes he just has the wrong synonym. Like, he could have chosen hatred for odium, but odium's obviously a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I do think uh, Brandon mentioning ingenuity, like, a year ago, like, I, I feel like he was trying to get the right synonym for that one, and I think that is has become invention, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so it's like four years ago, but well, you know, a while ago. 
Oh, wow. uh, but how does time work? Four years. I don't think it's been time four years. Time is fake. Um, so, so anyway, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it it was definitely a surprise. Uh, oh yeah, but a welcome one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had lots of good discussion about those new names. Yes, it's, yes. Um, I, I I've mentioned this on on Discord a couple of times, but it but it was so much fun early early on after Rhythm of War came out to like lurk in the tagged spoilers chat and just like watch people react to the chapter. What was it like twenty four? epigraph where we get one one shard it's like, and oh, then the next epigraph three, three more it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty great yeah that's uh it's fantastic um so the next one is one that eric asked and it was about rosharan's calling everything like magical surge binding yeah. so the clarifying question is what uh <laughs> does chris someone who's not rosharan uh, call what the fuse do surge binding and the answer was yes and so yeah we still don't know anything about void binding and Brandon says you will eventually but will we will we ever Back what if void binding is a meme and it doesn't actually exist <laughs> like and that, it's on the final big of Cosmere, we'll April Fool's joke on Vax God, I was I, I, so upset to be wrong about this one. I was ready to die <laughs> on the hill that the fused were void binding and surge. Yeah. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I really think void binding is back half, yeah, like Redoran's point of fuse. <sighs> yeah, we're yeah. we're not gonna get void binding in book five. Book five has plenty to do uh, instead oh, to mention it's like, and here's void binding, what's up? <laughs> but I mean, then again, uh, he didn't put an anti-investiture into the last one so we wouldn't have expected that so who the hell knows mm -hmm. i wouldn't just... be surprised if he slips it into book five as like a, like the surprising thing it's like oh and then we'll we won't really explore it and understand it until yeah, yeah some things like maybe maybe have like a, a brief moment with like renarin does something and then he's like uh i don't think i surge bound <laughs> Just, I've never liked the idea that Renarin was the void binder. Just the because I feel, I, I know that's that's the like a back half in. title, like if, in like the sleepless things. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. it's like the void binder. Dun dun dun. Yeah. I mean, I can totally see that. I can totally see that. <laughs> yeah. I, Although I just the feel Son like... of Thorns, Son of Thorns is great. That's that's, yeah, um, that's also good. But like, so it's felt like, the... that, like his own right, not just like he's the son of yeah. Dalinar. That's true. Valid, he needs his own, his own thing. But yeah, the thing about Renarin being a void binder, like what's happening with Renarin being void binding, it's just, which I may just need to accept that I'm totally wrong about everything I thought about void binding and eat the crow yes. and shut up about it. But like, I, we, the, the stuff that's happening with Renarin is new. Like, it's never happened before. How does Chris sure. know about the 10 levels of void binding? Is and that what you're saying? We have a whole chart that has like 10 different things. Like, it feels like void binding should be an established thing that has happened and people not obviously not our main cast but someone out there knows about the different kinds of void binding and this was a thing that people did in the past what if it's which it's, Renarin being ahead, so new and weird is like how is it's, that it's like fit into it's like the mountain says to venley about stone shaping like old things become new things or whatever that that line <laughs> yeah. is well, we gotta do Think, a stone shaping things, podcast things that are new but out of design 
Oh, hey, 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 we haven't talked about the Everstorm and Desolations post-Rhythm of War. Ah, we got to do is, that one. Yeah. It is so difficult for me not to go on like void binding theories and tangents because yeah. I have like a million of them. I know. But what if someone just looked into the future and saw the void binding chart and then like wrote it down now? And then that no, was I, the I legitimately think this, this chart might be from the future. <laughs> Hate that. Hate that so like, much. It's, it's not, really not, plausible, though. No, no, no. Not, not that it exists in the somebody looked into the future and created it. Oh. It's that we haven't gotten to the point in the timeline where that chart has been created yet. Right. Oh, no. I, I, I like mine. <laughs> I like my idea. They're, they're both brain twisty. Um, let's, let's yeah, just, it feels like if Renarin is a void binder, then that would be like if all of a sudden our new Radiance just like found a new 11th surge binding order of Knight's Radiant. And it's like, yeah. what? Yeah, sure. What's happening? Yeah. No. Book five. This is a thing. Order. We know what the 10 things are. Yeah. Fran is like, like oh, we, we haven't talked about enough orders. Yeah. Order. Anyway. We have a wob that Renarin is technically not a, not void binding. Am I right? I think that's yours, Argent. So I, I'm assuming that he's doing something similar, but. Unclear. Outside. But then again, I believe it was a, an Argent Wob that, like, Words of Radiance. Words of, for Words of Radiance that, like, what is going on with Renarin is related to that chart. Related to. So that, yeah. that might be like, oh, they're both, like, connected to Odiyomi thing. Related but. to. That's, that's such a Brandon Weasel word. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a, a, a paraphrasation is what I was going to say. A paraphrasation, yes, that's a word. <laughs> I mean, for for all we know, Renarin could be the third esoteric system that Chris oh, talks no. about, which I am. No, <laughs> no. more esoteric no. than the ten levels of void binding. Yeah, sure, why not? Hashtag evict Grace from this podcast for saying things like that. <laughs> no, it's it's like it's like you have a surge binding and void binding, and the esoteric system is like a combination of the two, and that's what Renorin's doing. Oh, it just it would have been so neat and clean to have the knights radiant be surge binders and the fused be void binders. They use void light, they use stormlight. We just could have kept it neat. They have their own charts. It's cool. They're similar, but they're done. Yeah, but there's nine. But yet the, uh, there's nine brands of fuse, but yet ten levels of void binding. So what the hell? They hell's up left with that? one in the car. All right, they'll find it. They'll figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just so mad. Speak, just... Speaking of more brain twisty things, uh, I'm sure this next one is very light, Ian. Yeah. Uh, so. This one is from Eric. Hey. Um, in Dawn Shard, we learned that intent and command are two different things. Whereas in Warbreaker, Vasher is clearly conflating these two into just saying it's the command. What's the difference between <laughs> intent and command? Yeah. And I, I do like his answer here. It makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Brennan says... Intent encompasses more understanding. Command is specifically narrow. A lot of times, these things are going to be conflated because they basically can be. Like if Vasher creates an awakened thing and says, go get me those keys, the intent is, I need the keys to get out of here. I want to be free. The command is, go fetch keys. Those are two different things, but they are working toward the same goal. It is important in Cosmere terms that the intent is understood. 
even if sometimes words that can speak them are clunky and smaller in scale by nature than the intent. Let's say the intent of a shard encompasses more than the word that the shard is described by. It is a similar thing that the intent of a command is often vaster than the actual words spoken. And the magic can grasp that intent, not just the command, depending on the magic system and how good you are at it, and things like that. The words are there to focus intent. How about that? Chaos. Bringing the old word focus back into it. <laughs> Let's talk about body focuses. What's going on there? I'll throw you a kernel on that one in the fifth book if you watch for it. That old Rasharn philosophy will be actually relevant for a small thing happening in the fifth book. What does that last for? <laughs> we all thought the body focuses had nothing to do with anything. But yeah. Yeah. They're relevant. They're not focuses in the same way that, like, they're not an actual, like, magic focus, but there is something going on with that. Something going on. I I do like this intent command uh, distinction. Um, I still don't know what the, how how the Dawn shards fit into this, but yeah, like this, this, this basically makes sense. So intent would, would be the visualization. In my opinion, because that's the greater understanding, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. has to be. Yeah, yeah. I it, think that this this is pretty much how I was thinking of it. I'd have to go back and listen to the Dawn Shard episode to yeah, know I've for been, sure. But this is, is pretty much in yeah. line, I think, of what I was saying. I've been, I've been, I've been meaning to go back and do that. Um, yeah. See who's right. Well, so <laughs> I, I think, I think I said the opposite of what Brandon says here. But I described it in the way that is consistent with what he describes here. I don't know. If you want to um, go listen to that Dawn Chart episode, go tell us who was right. Go go listen to it. Because <laughs> I don't have time to re-listen to it. So I um, think this one makes sense to me because it solves a meta-narrative problem and therefore it's not just like uh realmatics in a bottle in a vacuum. What do you mean? But I can be like so this is the sort of thing of like Brandon needs to establish that his magic systems don't work like it's not like computer programming. Like a computer will only do exactly what you mm. put into it. Um Brandon needs to have that sort of like wiggle room in the story of you don't have to be perfectly completely precise with the words that you say when you're doing the magic thing. Because we can have this sort of like intent behind it and the magic connects to the intent. You don't actually have to say the specific words completely. And I think this is something that he's kind of like. Yeah, he talked about the adapter. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is sort of like a concept that Brandon does not want to put in the books. Like you see people talk about the Night Watcher. People like, oh, I'm just going to like word my request super yeah. perfectly and and they're like no the night watcher doesn't work that way sorry the, the this only isn't, this isn't how it happens the only thing that does require the precision is uh cell magics but like you still like for Andor, you still have to intentionally draw the aeon you're not going to accidentally draw an aeon <laughs> cool I, I like this explanation a lot this explanation's good maybe yeah. i should actually do my intent command video yeah. i don't know and like i th- i think this one goes a lot more to explaining how like a shardic and intent and intention are the same thing yep yep in a, does help. a very nice way yep yep and how the intent of a shard is more than just the name of the shard right yeah Which, yeah like, 
goes into odium like odium yep. the word odium doesn't describe all that he is mm-hmm. yeah. yeah great wob I, I imagine we're going to be citing that one for oh yeah okay. yeah yeah uh so this one is from ian yeah and we wanted to talk about thydekar and get like some yeah. confirmations on this because there were some people in the fandom who were let's say in disbelief so we wanted to follow up on that basically yeah yeah <laughs> so there's there's a lot of blabbing to the effect of a lot of blabbing um so the the brandon knew that there was going to be a large gap between uh the end of mistborn era one and what was originally going to be mistborn era two which is like the 80s cold war type of thing um and but he also knew that mistborn was obviously going to be a very important world in the grand scheme of the cosmere and so he didn't want people to forget that mistborn is important while he does like stormlight things for a decade and so he had a he had a few plans on how to keep mistborn relevant in people's minds and one of them was uh the alloy of law which by accident turned into four books instead of the one as you do it, mm-hmm. yeah it, it would be over a decade for that to <laughs> all get out so it worked out great happens to the best of us <laughs> yeah so so he had that kind of uh as an idea he had mistborn secret history uh as an idea to keep people kind of not focused but keep schedule in mind uh he also has another mistborn secret history that he may or may not get to um who knows how that's gonna pan out and he also had this idea of just like seeding little mistborn connections into other works that he's working on uh and so all of this was with the intent (laughs) of (laughs) making sure that people don't forget the schedule is an important place and as it turned out uh all of these things that he had been planning ended up being uh you know things that have like alloy of law got published it spawned a whole new trilogy mistborn secret history got published uh Skadrian connections in stormlight were a thing and one of those connections obviously was uh kelsier in his uh in his guise of tidakar yep so that's how we have um you know that happening in stormlight and then on a kind of a tangentially related note uh what we have following is just kind of general stuff about uh the ghost bloods and thydekar and mraze and iatil um as his tight-knit team uh yeah there so there's there's two there's three things i think are noteworthy uh in all of this blabbing uh one of them is that the ghost bloods you see kind of immediately around Kelsier are not necessarily kind of similar to the ghost bloods that you see throughout the rest of the Cosmere. Uh, and what I mean by that is that Kelsier, because he's such a strong force of personality, such a strong character, the people who are around him are people that he can handpick. So very much like era one like final empire type of stuff the people he immediate in his immediate vicinity are people he can trust but also people he can supervise and so there is a there's an implicit trust and understanding with that but once you go to the other side of the cosmere on let's say roshar 
the organization doesn't have this kind of supervision going on there. And so the behavior that we see from the ghost bloods is not necessarily the behavior that we would see from the ghost bloods around Kelsier, right? There's there is a potential for a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's an interesting point. Another interesting point is that uh, Brandon expected us to kind of guess the Kelsier Tidekar thing or the Kelsier Ghostbloods thing because the Ghostbloods mentality, which is kind of survival of the fittest, was supposed to echo back survivorism to mm. an extent. Mm. Uh, and honestly, that is not a thing I have seen in the fandom ever. Not before really, but it does, like, it does kind of make sense. But Yeah, yeah, in retrospect, it does. But I don't think anyone... Or, or maybe very few people. I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I don't think anyone has, has picked up on that. I, I think in like the, the months leading up to Rhythm of Wars release, like people did start like theorizing that Zydekar was Kelsier. Oh, when, when Brandon talked about how Zydekar was more Cosmere aware and we were going to yeah, focus on him. Yeah, that's a bit in part one so. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we have that going on. There's a, a bit of a metaphor with Thor publishing and Tom Doherty and how they're all assassins. <laughs> it it, it yeah, was Brent, a little Brent, weird out of context, but like it makes Brent, sense in context. It's, it's a perfect metaphor. I'm like, I yeah. top notch. I love it. He he was saying how it's, it's like he, he would foster uh, Tom Doherty would like foster some uh friendly competition and so the best of the best would you know, be on top, and that's that's yeah. sort of like what Kelsier kind of does. Yeah, but, but like also presence could make sure like it didn't become toxic. But now that Tom Doherty yeah. has retired, they're changing like all of that. Yeah, because... that's not a good idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Without his presence and without his oversight, uh, there is a potential for danger there. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then all of this kind of ends with a bit of a note on uh, Mraze and his uh, interaction with Shalan and Lyft. And, and he's a few steps away from Kelsier, and so I, I was like, oh, they're not gonna be, they're not gonna be nice people, Mraze. And uh, and Brandon says, Mraze is nice. Mraze thinks he's Mraze nice. Mraze is nice. <laughs> Mraze would not say that of, he's not nice. <laughs> his his version of nice is not other people's version of nice <laughs> it's my version of nice though <laughs> yep uh, and, and he ends with you know those gadrians gotta keep an eye on things they like to meddle yeah specifically uh, kelsier uh, but very this this gadriel metal pun that's a, that, yeah that's <laughs> no? a, that's a that's, pun that doesn't translate to text but also also there were two ferrochemists in this book so you know they they do like to skadrians not just kelsier likes to meddle in things yep so that's the good old three pager yeah <laughs> that yeah, this is this is more of a conversation it doesn't exactly fit in uh the usual wob mode that we have <laughs> yeah and brandon so, talked so, a lot so, so you should much. go listen to that it'll be better yeah. than our secondhand telling but it's very interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah. So this next one was asked by Ian, and I'm happy I get to read it because this question was from a Shardcast episode where I suggested it, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's every day in Castor, Kusakesh emerges from the sea at 7.46 in the morning. If the Eriali started uh, practicing daylight savings time, would Kusakesh emerge at the old 746 or the new? Would it make a difference if all of Roshar was changing? And the answer is, 
they would not change their time based on the clocks being changed. Which is fascinating. <laughs> I don't I know what no it means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, but it, it just matters that the perception of time is not why Kusakesh comes out of yeah. yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which probably makes sense because 746 isn't a very like strong concept in most people's heads <laughs> i guess the, spirit, the spiritual ideal of the time stamp it, it has a lot of <laughs> spiritual integrity that time that's what it has yeah now i i wonder if it's if it's like something to do with like tides or the position of the celestial bodies That'll like something same to that day. effect i i think it's more that it's a time where some specific event happened like maybe maybe the recreants or honor died at that time or some weird big event i I don't know i don't know what big event would happen there but like roshar has such complicated celestial mechanics that the tides would not be at all consistent have fun roshar and astronomers to try and figure out where the hell the tides are good god you got three Three moons moons. a sun and ten gas giants have fun with that <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know. I think I think it's like a certain time where something happened in particular, or at least that changed that spren. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's that's what I've always thought. But it, perception matters so much in the Cosmere that it's nice to know that it's not the result of perception in this yeah. specific mm. case. Oh man, this this one's so good, Josh. Yep, this is a fun one. Yeah. So the next question was by Alex. Uh, she said, uh, I, I have to ask about the use of the word avatar for Thydekar <laughs> sending avatars. Yep. Uh, she, so she asked, does Kelsier actually have like a real avatar, like in the Cosmere sense of the word, or is, is this just a big uh, lie? Um, Brandon said that he is mostly lying through his teeth. <laughs> um, so it's not, it's not canonical at this point. However, right now, Brandon <laughs> imagines that uh, Kelsier sends a Sion um, to in his, in his place with a big cloak wrapped around it, so um, to, to, so he could send the Sion off to to speak through on his behalf. It's a Sion um, in a trench coat. It's so good. <laughs> it literally is. Yeah, there, there, there's some fan art of this, and it's yeah. just oh gosh. man, oh man, we gotta find that. And uh, also, he's still not able to get off Skadriel, so he's he's yeah, pro- yeah. he's as, annoyed. As of era two, he's he's so there's a little bit of confusion about timeline. It looks like uh, for, yes. for a moment there, but the conversation <laughs> sorted that out, uh, and and Brandon cleared up that as of era two, Kelsier is still stuck on Skadriel. Awesome, and he's perturbed. I love this swab. I love this swab. One because Kelsier's full of crim, and I called it so much we started having conversations about avatars and i was like there's no way he has an avatar he's such a liar Brandon's like yeah he's totally lying he has no issue with lying i was right and then also the the ones where i was wrong oh the sion in a trench coat is just such a perfect (laughs) mental image yeah it's so funny it it, it's legitimately (laughs) hilarious uh could change but uh i i like to know that what Brandon's currently thinking is that. And he might yeah. come up with something cooler, but yeah. But oh, I, guess I, I, I look forward to hopefully being a beta for a future book where this is canonized and making my opinion of 
this needs to be this way, Brandon. <laughs> it needs to Very be a no. trench coat. <laughs> Very please, important. Please let us be that <laughs> trench coat. Oh, I, I totally think Shalon could uh, I really see. Hope like, we do. We could totally <sighs> see that in book five. That's super plausible. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we'll actually see Iadl actually do something. That'd be nice. Yeah. Jalan's <laughs> basically yeah. using the same technique whenever she sticks a light weaving on pattern and sends him off to go play <laughs> That's a recording. True. That's true. It's, yeah. She'd be familiar with the technique. <laughs> Although she has gotten better at just, you know, creating illusions and sending off to like, sending them off to do their own thing. Like she doesn't need to attach them to yeah. objects yeah. anymore. Yeah. Maybe she'll use her own Sion to impersonate fight a car oh my god oh, that would be amazing <laughs> but i but she wouldn't like because the Sion shows the face right but if she did an illusion of cal kelsier's face yeah. would yeah. the Sion detect the illusion or her actual oh, face? oh so she needs to go witness kelsier's Sion and then take yeah. that and then um, do that again to troll yaddle and raise that's solid <laughs> right that Oh, this this is very hiking. plausible. This is super plausible. <laughs> I love it. Light weaving so over. The only issue is this Sion would know because they I think they know like what spread they're connecting to. Or what Sion they're connecting to. Yeah. But like, what if you just make light weaving of, of I mean if it's Shalan's Sion, then Yeah, she's sending it. Then if she's using her own, then she can just have that Sion totally lie. Potentially. Also, she can just create an illusion that looks like the Kelsier one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. So, Alex asks uh, about Glisten Toomey, uh, Relaine and Renarin Spren, uh, and they're very different from the regular Miss Spren, uh, like Dreaming Though Awake, like a totally different naming style. And they use that, like, B verb at the end of sentences. And uh, she's drawing a parallel with the uh, Ink Spren and. Brandon says there are reasons, and he'll give more as the series uh, progresses. So we'll we'll see later, I guess, in Renarin's book, book seven. I'm so curious about this. I want to know what's really up with it. Yeah, I do like the line: "He'll be older; he may be wiser." <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's Maybe. true. <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, when you're in sort of like beta reader brain, you're like, "Oh, this is a mistake." Brandon mixed up which Spren talk like this. He right, messed it yeah, up. That's, that's you should true. fix this, Brandon. And then it goes to the final draft, and it's like, guess there's wait a, a second. I I think oh, I actually flagged that as a potential mistake. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I yeah. think people people we, did. I know we talked about it. You don't you don't want Brandon to mess stuff up in the no, final book. No, it's it's hard to flag errors when we don't have the full picture. <laughs> right. so it's like I don't know. Is it an error? I don't know. Uh, it's pretty Sometimes tough. He's, says it's not a mistake and you go ah, what does that <laughs> really? mean are you sure um we'll find out let's hope it'll all come together but let's hope uh, but yeah so this next question is was also for me and it was about the relator and reveal which we had a wonderful podcast we on. did two of them actually relator in um but basically just telling brandon like oh i thought it was something that it was just going to be a ship that wasn't ever canon like oh there's cool chemistry i'm just gonna love it quietly in my heart and tell other people that i think it's cool um and brandon points out that it does go back to oathbringer yes it does yep. um the rock point of view scene mm -hmm. 
Um, and it, then it's really interesting that he talks about like he looked for a place to get it into this book um, and actually tried to like write scenes to put in Rhythm of War that were more explicitly, you know, romantic leaning, I guess, with Relaineran. And then said it will feel clunky. Just do it in book five, which is so fascinating that apparently we're going to get Relaineran scenes in book five. I have no idea how that's going to work. I yeah, I didn't. Uh, that was not something I was expecting, even after the reveal necessarily. Um, but Rand's like, "Yo, what's gonna happen? Let's do it." Yeah. Um, and so Brandon then talks about, uh, you know, it was one of the things we were like, "Yeah, people picked up on the chemistry." He didn't reveal it himself during the live stream. Everyone guessed it, so that was <laughs> yeah. like, "It's working." People knew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was the only thing being guessed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the only thing in that stream. Yeah, Brendan was like, "There must be a bunch of there must be a bunch of guesses in the chat," and people were like, "No, nope. it's basically <laughs> just for Lauren and Relaine." This one. Um, it, was a, it was a great moment. It was very funny. Yeah, and then um, Brandon talks about. I'm just going to go ahead and read this one. Um, talking about having two viewpoint characters, it's kind of one of his go-tos, right? To avoid tokenism. Try to make multiple characters who think differently. One of the worries uh, was, with Renarin being autistic, I don't want to conflate those two aspects of his personality. By having Relaine there, it um, lets me have diversity among a given representation in a single book. Just way more comfortable for me to write because it lets me make sure that I'm making people their personalities and not their defining attributes. Kaladin has depression. Kaladin is not depression. And that's a really important thing. Mm-hmm. If it's something I'm less familiar with personally, it's more important that I have a variety of viewpoints, even if it's something like making sure that Yasna is atheist and Kaladin is agnostic, and that I'm approaching their different worldviews from their personalities rather than as a cliche of some sort. This is very interesting Which... with Kaladin being agnostic, because it's like that doesn't even really like come to mind but yeah like calden doesn't really care about religion that's for sure it's almost the definition of agnosticism yeah, right? yeah yeah um this is this is something that brandon has talked about um kind of a lot in writing excuses and yeah. in questions about writing and stuff like that and i think it's really interesting that um his his kind of strategy of dealing with with tokenism is hey just make sure you have different people that represent the same thing but they represent it as different characters as different people yeah um makes me wonder if we're gonna see another kind of more explicitly ace character in the near future uh to just make sure that although yasna herself is like such a strong character that i like nobody's gonna say that she is in any way shape or form defined by her asexuality yeah yeah it's it was one of those things like I think it does work across different books within the Cosmere. Like we talk about autistic representation between Renarin and like Steris. Mm-hmm. But I think it is even better when you have multiple people within the same series interacting with each other yeah. and getting to be different mm-hmm. expressions of things. Yep. Yeah. And, and to a certain extent, like the listeners are ace. Not that we've really like we've seen a little bit of that they're them remarking like oh it's like humans are in mate form all the time but it's like having like a more i don't know not conventional but like a more human inter expression of asexuality i think would be a benefit mm. i think the i think the listeners or the singers i should say 
are a good example of this outside of the the thing where they remark on how humans are in made for because like you you read singer povs and just the topic of sexuality just doesn't come up it's it's not a it's not a thing they think about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i think this would be something i would love to see brandon do like a normal human non-binary character like mm. the sibling mm-hmm. is great but the sibling is also not a person and yeah. you get that with non-binary characters sometimes not a, human. Like they're, not a human they're a robot or they're an alien and they have a, a weird third gender and it's like non-binary people exist yeah. in the, the normal real human worlds so i, I think that would be a, a good one yeah for, for it's brandon. just a matter of like you can't cram every single thing in every book right yeah you, 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 you <laughs> cannot it. Yeah. it just wouldn't be good <laughs> yeah i mean it could be good it could be I, good. no I, no okay i take that back I, I guess you could yeah um i i think there would hmm it's like i understand why brandon isn't doing that but yeah that yeah, doesn't okay, no. mean he shouldn't yeah I, I i i agree okay yeah you you absolutely could do that uh, if you were comfortable in in doing all of that, and I think that's what you're getting at, is that for a lot of these things, Brandon is not comfortable, yeah. and so he wants to take the time, mm-hmm. he wants to research things. And... Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I think that is a a world building aspect that Brandon does a lot of really cool world building things, but gender and sexuality aren't necessarily ones that he world builds around necessarily uh, in terms of his societies and such, mm. like. Um, I haven't finished the Mirror Empire yet, but that was one of the things that really stood out oh. to me in the Mirror Empire is like, it's mm. very different. These societies feel yeah. super, super, super different in, ter- in yeah. the ways that they approach gender and sexuality. And so mm, like, yeah. that's something some authors really love to focus on mm. and dig into and make things where, you know, it's not like certain us. things are way more, yeah, very different. Some things are normal to them that aren't, fi- that are kind of outliers for us. So yeah, mm. it's, it's cool. Anyway, Brandon, yeah. Brandon has the challenge that most of, like, I mean, Stormlight Archive, the world building was done over 10 years ago at this yeah. point. Um, so, like, it's it's hard to, like, 20. you can't just, like, yeah. decide, like, hey, it's Stormlight 5. I'm going to, like, sh- shoehorn in this whole, like, other aspect of the world that you've never seen before. Like, it's it's a challenge for him to do that, I guess, with an ongoing series. So uh, there, there's yeah. a lot of Western nations where you, you, you could insert a lot of that because we don't really know a lot about them, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. anyway, on our chart, at least just some more stuff. Yeah. So this next question is finally from me. Hey, I can read my own question. Finally aligned. Yep. Yeah. So why are Sion stuck as floating balls of light in the cognitive realm while true friend get to be people shaped? I feel that is unfair. Brennan, that is a little unfair, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, it just like, still has a lot of unfair things going on. Can't really leave Cell. Have to get through the deadly plasma. As long as um, you can get through the plasma, you're, you're not like locked to Cell. But, and then at the end, <laughs> goes, I'll be honest, I couldn't decide if I should use a Sion there at the end or a Tamukek. In one draft it was a Tamukek, and then I thought, eh, Sions are more interesting because they have a they have volition. Tamukek is just a bone. 
it was a Tamu Kek originally, and then it was a Sion, then back to a Tamu Kek, and then I released it as a Sion. It's you're you're. I think you're about a hundred percent of our Tamukek lobs, Ian, and you totally. I, don't, I, I think so. <laughs> and you just where Brandon is like, oh, they're like Tamukeks. It's like, oh yeah, Tamukeks. Yeah. And it's like both, like not intentionally anywhere <laughs> close to Tamukeks. He just decides, like, I'll give you some Tamukek information. Tamukek or <laughs> Ian, Tamukek expert. The, yeah. Apparently, we they're were... bones, and they allow you to do communication. That's about all we know. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. When we were in like recording the interview, I was like, "Oh boy, this is a thing that I should know, isn't no, it?" No, this is a thing no, I should have heard of, and I just like I'm trying to blank face my way through it and <laughs> pretend that I know what Brandon's talking about. No, oh, no, yeah. it's Dragon Steel. It's a Dragon Steel thing. Nobody mm-hmm. knows what it is. I got yeah, kind of know. You are a special person who has read Dragon Steel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then he taunts us with Dragon Steel. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He he literally held it up. Yeah, like waves it in front of everybody. <laughs> oh, wouldn't you like to read this? Brandon's such a troll, well, like Last a very good natured troll. Like I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of Dragon Steel, and, and then Brandon mm-hmm. then says that, oh uh, well, Dragon Steel Prime will come out with the words Radiance Kickstarter, and there's not a lot that's canon. Like Shodel, dragons, and Tamukek are in there, but uh, the Hoid stuff is not canon. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, oh, we'll get to see it eventually. A yeah. bit about who's been working on the Aethers recently and plans on like incorporating them into books soon. Yeah, oh yeah, he, he made a major breakthrough with uh, Aethers and how he wanted it all to connect. So that's always interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like Brandon messed me up because I think he says Aethers, but Final Fantasy uses this word Aether. too and they say Aether yeah. and it's like... I always want to say Aether because it starts with an A. Yeah. Well, it's like Aether is also a word. Yeah. Yep. Right. That like just with the E. Yeah. So it's like they're different. But it's, it's I, initially the the fifth element, isn't it? Like the fabric of. Yeah, but I think that the there are pronunciations where it is Aether, even though it's spelled with an A. Yeah, so I weird. think it's when like the A and E are connected. Yeah. I uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I imagine in like because that is pronounced like E. Yeah, Pronunciation yeah, cast again. Yeah, great. <laughs> cool. So that is all the stuff from uh, our interview. I think we're just going to go real quick into some random bobbity bits uh, real quick. Um, Bibbity bops. Uh, so we have a thing from a live stream where somebody asked about uh, which order of Night's Radiant was hardest for Brandon to conceptualize. Uh, and Brandon says Dustbringers. Uh, and even they are not like fully formed in his head yet. And the primary reason for that is because he wants Dustbringers to be more than just like a generic fire magic with like fire beams and explosions and fireballs and mm. things like that. But also their power set is very much that, right? And so and so it's a difficult thing uh, for him to do. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll see where they end up. It's really interesting that Brandon, when people talk about like which order of the Knights Radiant being hardest to conceptualize, Brandon talks about the power set. Whereas I would think of like conceptualizing the Knights Radiant being around like their oaths and like what kind of a person is a member of that, which I think that's, that's so easy that's though. Interesting. I don't yeah, know. I think I mean, we still, we haven't seen much of what 
Dustbringers are like, like that. Way, how are know? you going to use tension in combat? I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I still don't understand how that is a useful set of abilities. It's like, ah, oh, I made cloth tense. Wow, thrilling. Uh, well, I mean, we'll need to find out, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, because like in terms of of characteristics, we have all of the divine attributes, and so it's just a matter of you know taking the two that you've put in that mm. box. And, and saying, okay, what kind of person is a person that embodies these two attributes? And, and yes, yeah, some of them are, are easier than others, like leading and protecting are, that's a very strong archetype in the minds of people. Uh, whereas brave and obedient, I mean, that's kind of a soldiery type, right? Mm-hmm. Um, chain of command, following orders, stuff like that. We have a couple of like compassionate and scholarly orders so but like getting a good magic that is um you know compelling to read right like that that can be really difficult to do and brandon really likes having cool magical combat be actually cool so he he really really likes that a lot kind of the magic guy he yeah well especially magical combat (laughs) he really likes that I think we've seen, like, I feel like the Skybreakers almost feel like they're missing one of their powers because you can sort of tell that Brandon doesn't, doesn't necessarily know exactly want how division works. I mean, we gotta I get know. it in book five. We gotta get yeah. it in book five. I, I, I like, think he knows, and I think he knows that it's really powerful, and so he's staying Yeah. So you can't give it to, to them too early because it's OP. <laughs> also, I don't have all the details set up, so let's just <laughs> yeah. gloss over this for now. Snail yeah. just raffles all of them. <laughs> that's basically what yeah. it did yeah. yeah in this um next while brandon was talking about the skyward series and how spencer in book two was kind of off on her own and she's gonna be off on her own in book three and yeah. he wanted to get the characters in from book one so at the time book three comes out there's going to be they hope to have uh three novellas from three different viewpoints that are going to cover the same time as the third book does mm. to kind of catch you up on what everybody is doing while Spencer is doing her own solo adventure. Cool. Yep. And that is being worked on. This one was from January, so I imagine mm. progress has still made. I actually did. Well, that's the next one. About so. Skyward. So that's fascinating. So, I do want to yeah. see more of the, well, the OG Skyward piece. Yep. We'll probably, probably get... Jorgen. Yeah. I love um, Jorgen. Yeah. We'll I, I get... imagine Jorgen has to be one of them, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like Jorgen, um, Kimmelin, and I don't know who else. Yeah, Kimmelin like... is also the one I was thinking. Ironsides? No, not the Ironsides. Maybe um, Rig. Uh, could Cobb be Rig. one. Cobb, Cobb yeah, one. Cobb is the one I was thinking. Mm, uh, Rig also would be an interesting idea. Because mm. <laughs> nothing... Uh, speaks to YA fans better than getting uh, viewpoints from old grizzled cops. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really relatable. Hashtag relatable. Yep. yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll get a, a POV from Morning Tide. She's dead. From, from the beyond. From the, be- and, from the Skyward yeah. beyond. Yeah, yeah. We, we find out about the afterlife in the, in the Skyward universe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Cognitive shadows people. come to Skyward. <laughs> yeah, sure. People, people who die. We get, we get one. Delvers. <laughs> Delver. We get, we get the whole like novella about uh, Ned and Arturo's like secret relationship off on the side. Oh yeah, we could have like Arturo or something. Like yeah, the Ned Arturo one. Yeah, that's that's probably 
third one. God, that's I'd such think. a grace thing to say. <laughs> no, 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 but like that's solid because it's like I don't, I don't know if FM has a bunch. Like FM could be in Kimmelin's POV, maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We have, we have no idea. So the next one is another book update on Wax and Wayne Four. Um, this is early April. Brandon's talking about wrapping up the outline, and then he'll be writing that. So by the time this episode is out, he should be a, a good ways into the first draft of that book. Um, the interesting thing here, though, is the length. So he's talking about how um, he's a little bit concerned that he's going to be long-winded with this book, um, <laughs> as he does, um, with the, the issue being the time crunch of needing to get in Skyward 4 before he can move on to Stormlight 5. Um, so uh, he's, he's saying that he's planning this book. It looks like to start off as 120,000 words, but he's expecting it will likely get up to 150,000. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to sense. see how what it. Uh, I, I, I feel like almost he should probably like not have said that out loud because that probably <laughs> means it's going to be like 175,000 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since Miss Ford. I will. I I'm fine with a long book. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, there's there's a lot to do in Maximilian Forest. So I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, the, but 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 it is important that like he needs to be able to finish Skyward Four this year. This year. Yeah. yeah. He, he, otherwise, he otherwise, Stormlight Five gets delayed, and I would yeah. much rather yeah. lose like 50 pages of of Wax and Wayne than have Stormlight be delayed like half a year. Well, and also. Uh, the era two books are more thrillery so like it, it, it a shorter length is advantageous for that style of book like you don't want that to like outstay its welcome like you just don't mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i just looked at i looked it up out of curiosity bands of mourning was one hundred and thirty thousand. i think is what yeah I saw. yeah and i think that's the biggest one of, mm-hmm. of era two yep. and i think uh in this same live stream uh i don't know if it was transcribed this this is that april 7th one Brandon apparently said that he was sharing the outline amongst Dragonsteel, and they, they it seems like thumbs up. People are excited, so that makes me very excited. Um, Interesting. All right, so this this next one uh, also from this this April stream, just talking about the lengths of Mistborn Era three books, and that will be more like Era one uh, lengths, uh, obviously. The 1980s trilogy was one that was originally in the plan, and Eric, who's the deviation? Um, mm-hmm. And Brandon is hoping to uh, write all three Era 3 books before the first one comes out, because he really liked the advantage with continuity there. So there, there might be a break in some Cosmere releases, but uh, he says that there'll be... There'll be some other stuff like uh, a non-Cosmere novella collection. Um, you might get Apocalypse Guard together, uh, maybe Dark One. Um, even talks about White Sand uh, that he might be might put that through his revision process, and that might come out uh, and have it match the graphic novel canonicity. Um, but yeah, he he's targeting uh, and and he. Sorry, and then he also says uh, writing Elantris 2 and 3 then as well. So, yeah. So there's 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 a lot of stuff, and he's finishing three series in a row. <laughs> Skyward, Wax and Wayne, and first half of Stormlight. So, uh, yeah. 
good luck. He but has high aspirations for that gap between Stormlight 5 and 6. Yeah, I mean, he is very productive, uh, and Stormlight books are like 400,000 words as opposed to 100,000, so yeah. like, or 200,000 for like Era 1 length books. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Got some good stuff coming he, down. And uh, the the Lost Metal outline, that that's its tentative title, The Lost Metal. Um, people like mm-hmm. it. In the company, and so. he did do Era One kind of back to back, right? Yeah. That, that yeah. that's what he, he's referring to when he says he wants to do Era. Yeah, three he, the same way. He got to like adjust some things about like hemology now that he wrote yeah. Hero of Ages and some minor things. Uh, so like there there were some advantages. I think that will be stronger. Uh, so I'm. It, it makes yeah. a more cohesive trilogy, and I think that's pretty important for tr- good trilogies, honestly. Yeah, I'm actually glad he's doing that because I thought he wasn't going to be able to do it. Yeah, um, because like he was able to do it for Air One because he was a new author. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. they were waiting like several years between before after he finishing a book before releasing it. So like he just had the time. He finished the third one before like yeah. the first one came out, just because that's how it worked. Yeah, but now like actually like delaying and doing it all together. Yeah, because because writing three, let's say two hundred thousand word books mm-hmm. is gonna take. I would say it's it's probably gonna take about the same time as it takes to write one Stormlight book because it is three books and it is more pages, mm. but also it's kind mm-hmm. of the same. Um, well, no, let, let let's say a little longer. Let's say it's gonna take him, you know, two years instead of a year and a half Maybe. to to write mm-hmm. three. Uh, it's gonna be weird for like Brandon to just sit there and like just write things for two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll it'll certainly be interesting. That's Stormlight that Five. Like, it, it'll probably be like one a year after that, though. So mm, yeah, no, yeah, that will be crazy. They do not do the release thing that they did with Shadows and Bands. Oh my god, they better not. It better We're actually be one a year. Like way close together. Oh, no, that is yeah. too close. Uh, no, I. After Stormlight Even Five, year, though. that's that's where we start talking about Kremcast. <laughs> that's, that's when we're real dry, waiting for so, the next Cosmos. We'll, we'll we'll go once a month for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Cool. All right. Our next uh, question, also talking about upcoming potential projects. Um, mm. This question is from CK. Will you delve more into the Trinity system? Brandon says, I do intend to do more in the Threnody system if I can get to it. There is a novel I want to write set on Threnody. I have, I would say, 30% of an outline right now for that book. Whether I will have time for it or not is, like most other side projects, up in the air. But I do think something will happen there eventually. Isaac has a book that he's outlined that he would like to set on Threnody because Isaac's going to take a stab at writing some Cosmere fiction. If you don't know, Isaac is my art director, basically my first collaborator in the Cosmere way back on Mistborn. He was one of my very first beta readers and did all the maps and things. And now he works for me full time. Hell yeah. Yes. That's, that's yeah. new. That would be really cool. Yeah. Also, an excellent human being. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, he's lovely. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine that's a Naz novel. That'd be fun. I, I think that's very likely. I, I think that's super likely. Yeah. Agreed. It is interesting that it sounds like Isaac's outline doesn't necessitate it taking place on Threnody, uh, mm. but it might it might take place there, right? It's probably Which more is low fine. Magic. Like it, it could, yeah. 
because Naz is a world hopper, like we can oh, have yeah, yeah, yeah. True, Naz true, true. anywhere, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But it's also mm-hmm. kind of nicer if it takes place on his home world. More Threnody. Yes, please. Well, and like Isaac being behind the scenes probably has access to all the cool world building Threnody secrets that would make it easier to come up with ideas. I, I imagine he would. <laughs> um, put a story together in that world. He can just like, ask Brandon, what's up yeah. with this? Yeah. It will be very interesting to see this first collaboration that Brandon does with someone else in the Cosmere. Yeah. It'd be really fascinating. I mean, he's already wrote like the, the Nikki Savage story. So like so. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Um Do we need this Ian? next? Um I would say yes. Okay. Yeah. I also just I don't want to read the Moash one. So okay, I read that's this fine. One. Okay. Um, so we're oh, I now the Moash one. Great. Gonna <laughs> into <laughs> uh, some Reddit words, Brandon. This one is from Luz Theron Telescope. Uh, you've said before that while the 10 surges arose due to perception of what things are fundamental forces, there were seeds that influenced what people perceived as fundamental. Is knowledge of the Rosharan shards and Dawn shards the seed referenced here? Brandon, the shards, yes. I wouldn't say the Dawn shards were involved directly but the shards were influenced by the dawn shards, so it gets muddy. It sure does. <laughs> what does that even mean? I yeah, the, the interaction between shards and dawn shards is very interesting. Yeah, it I is do very like interesting. The, the sorting method of dawn shards for the shardic intents. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's some. It's almost it's almost like a pyramid structure going on, right? So we have we have Adenalsium, and then we have the the Dawn shards, and then the Dawn shards affect the shards, and then the shards affect the the Everything magics else. or like reality itself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that dictates uh, what is considered fundamental, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, look, a Moash question. Yep. I wonder who's gonna read that. You are. Oh, you, wait, you it's got me. To, you got to read the <laughs> Shalon bisexuality one and the Moash one. This Moash one. The, there you go. The straightest guy on the... Anyway. Um, <laughs> also, I don't like Moash, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, is Moash intended to read as being interested in men? Uh, beyond some of the things he says, I relate a lot to his feelings of alienation even within his marginalized group as a queer POC. Brent says, I wasn't intentionally coding Moash as queer, but that doesn't mean I didn't do it on accident, which, by the way, is exactly what happened with Shalon being by in The Way of Kings. Brandon continues, I see him as straight personally, uh, but having gone so far down a dark path, he basically feels nothing anymore. Makes sense. (laughs) It does. Yeah. I think we talked a little bit about the Kalmoa ship in the podcast that we recorded, which I don't think we've decided if that one's before. I don't, I don't know. This well, one. If, I, if it's if it's not this one, if you haven't already seen the Moash episode, it's coming out next. Either go listen to it or, or look forward yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. But um, I follow a lot of people who are into Kalmoash. Um it definitely has some very interesting dynamics concerning, you know, their history and, and stuff like that. And a lot of the things that Moash says about Kaladin are very like, you can read romance in there. Yeah. If you want. Um, 
So I think this is a really interesting question. But hasn't this ship gathered like a lot of steam since Rhythm of War? Oh yeah, definitely. Because it it feels and it, and it's it's really ironic because I feel like every time I see commentary on that ship, it is kind of in the context of their personalities from before Rhythm of War. But it's only gotten popular after Rhythm of War has come out. Mm. I think or there's not a lot only, of but... the way that I mean, because we get to see a lot more into Moash's head in mm -hmm. Rhythm of War, um, which he's in a very twisted and dark place. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that has kind of like being able to see that up close in Rhythm of War has kind of colored the way that we can read the rest of the story in terms of. I really wish we did have more of their like friendship in the Words of Radiance era. Yeah. Like we hear yeah. that it existed, but we don't see a lot of it yeah. until the assassination plot starts happening. Mm. Their their uh, friendship yeah. is very telly and not very showy. Um, which considering how the much plot like happens. yeah. Yeah. Like how important considering how, how much hinges on that friendship in Rhythm of War. Yeah. Mm. That that could have yeah. been done better. Yeah. Which there's a a whole really interesting meta about how you know Moash is during Rhythm of War like subject to Odium's power and obeying his every order and things like that and Odium wants Kaladin to be that as well Moash thinks it would be a mercy to kill Kaladin it's like okay Moash wants to save Kaladin from the fate that Moash is currently in he thinks death would be nicer than his current situation and like Oh, it's very, it's very twisted. And Bosch is an interesting character in Rhythm of War. Yeah. And it's like going back full circle to earlier in the podcast where we were talking about like alternate paths the Stormlight Archive could have taken is that Brandon moved up Moash's be betrayal to book two because mm. it was like, supposed to happen in book three. Oh. So like we would have seen more of their friendship. Mm. <sighs> interesting. I feel like it's this sort of thing that writing an entire trilogy straight through can really help because it's like, okay, now I know specifically where I want it to end. And Brandon can revise the beginning of the first one because he, he often says like, hey, you know, if promises aren't paying off, you probably just didn't make the right promises and things. So you might just need to change the groundwork. Like, I, I do think he, you know, if he could write those three books, uh, <laughs> Words of Radiance <laughs> for Rhythm of War. He probably would have put in a, a, a Moash scene or two with Kaladin. That was yeah. that was more friendly, right? Like that that wouldn't be that bad to do. Easier it's to one of those things, things when yeah. you have all of it. Yeah, yeah. Like sharing with like a writing group or having a team of beta readers is great for intra book stuff, but they can't see the future, and yeah. so there's no way for them to be able to say like, <laughs> we "Hey, really if we're going to here." <laughs> We're going to have this be the crux of like Kaladin's, uh, you know, strife yeah. and viewpoint in book four. Yeah. We should probably have some more friendship here in book two that I am working yeah. on right yeah. now. Yeah. Like, well, but, but also we like even Brandon doesn't necessarily no. know that this is going to be, you know, mm -hmm. the, the crux of Kaladin's story in book yeah. four um, because he discovery writes his characters, right? So yeah, I don't I don't know if there's a way to win this. Yeah, write yeah. all the books before they come out, but that is not exactly a sustainable option because Stormlight books are yeah. freaking huge. Just talking it up. Yep. But like there there are authors that do that. Um mm. Michael J. Sullivan, who like um he self-publishes a lot on Kickstarter now, but like he'll write an entire series 
before he releases the first one. Mm. Yeah. The year is 2050 and Brandon drops the entire Cosmere on us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's perfect and and has exactly the scenes, but yeah, Yeah. it's, this is better. Obviously. Discovery writing has advantages, but every so often you need to switch things up and you you miss out on opportunities because it's already published where you needed it to be. Yeah, just just go back and revise the ending of the book. No problem. <laughs> this sounds like a sentence or two. No series will ever be perfect. Nope, it won't. Anyway, cool. So this next one uh, was asked. Mo Mojo Nero asked in Nero one. There was an imbalance between ruin and preservation because humans had a bit more preservation than ruin in them. After harmony became a thing, and did this imbalance become irrelevant because both powers turned into one? Or is it something Sazet had or has to deal with? And Brandon raffos it for now, but says it should come up in Era 3. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm I'm glad this will matter, because it should matter. I think this is the first time we hear that it will matter. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. I know that there was a word, Brandon, about like, Sazet did something with the extra ruin, Mm. but he refuse to say what that was i mean i mean i just don't think we're gonna see that in era two because you know era three is the one that he probably has the broad strokes of like the major events that he wants to have happen and so maybe this is related to something there although he has pulled some of them into era two or the current era two yeah yeah i mean if lost metal is atm stuff that does have to do with bits of ruin i mean possible man i'm i'm I reread Shadows of Self and Alloy and uh, starting bands. And man, I'm excited for Lost Metal. It's really cool. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I'm excited for that too, to reread those. Yeah. The next uh, next question here is <laughs> by Evil Smiley, uh, who asks, was Elantris built before the shards were splintered on Cell or not? And Brandon says, yes. In my outline right now, Elantris existed before Odium did his dirty work on Elantris. It's unlikely to change, but I do have to point out that this isn't strictly canon yet and likely won't be until I write the Elantris sequels. This got a lot of discussion on Discord <laughs> of people like, what? But like, the Celish are, yeah, like, that that's yeah, like, my reaction. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, the Celish okay, essay but, does but like, say that like they took an, the shards took an active role, but it is a little inconsistent because there is that line where it's like, at first they were unconcerned, but like it makes sense to me. Yeah. There's also the whole thing from the from the annotation. No, not sorry, not from the annotations, from the jewelry description. <laughs> oh pages. yes, only the most <laughs> canon sources of uh, in world uh, descriptions of jewelry but about yeah. the early and middle and late. Um, oh yeah, Brandon doesn't know what that means. Era. <laughs> he has no idea what that means on yeah. cell. Uh, like every I- time I bring up annotations, I want to do an episode on annotations. Yeah, yeah. but do do. Does that contradict this? No, no, it doesn't. No. It's consistent with this. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I think Brandon like spitballed once about what the early, middle, and late eras of Cell were, and I think we talked about it on the show that that probably isn't how it works. But you know, uh, no, it, like, it flagrantly contradicts. Like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. <laughs> Again, Brandon didn't he finish Elantris in like two thousand two? Is that right? Was, like long, long time. time. Ago. Do you think he knows his sellish timeline stuff? Absolutely zero percent. It's like ah, I'm spitballing here. That's what makes sense. But 
Yeah, I mean this this makes total sense to me. Like the in that description of the jewelry of the first uh king, right? They, the city was abandoned. It was already there. So mm-hmm. it, I think it had to have been built by a shard at some point. So I don't know. But a lot of people on Discord are like, it doesn't make any sense. I was like, mm. I think it's Remember, fine. Wobs aren't canon. And I like that Brandon very specifically says this one is like, it's not canon yet. Like, I mean, okay. there, there's enough wiggle room in the in the Selish essay for this to totally make sense. I don't see any issue with this. <laughs> All right. Last one. So this one's by Oversleep. Uh, this is apparently from a long Reddit thread, but I just wanted to include it because uh, Oversleep was saying two characters who I believe absolutely butchered in terms of what their setup was and what happened to them. Uh, talking about Amaram, uh, with talking, you know, just like working with Odium at the end of Oathbringer. And uh, race where, you know, setting, you know, up race uh, and then, you know, race just dies. Um, and and Brandon says, while I kind of agree on Amram, I don't on race, but it's useful for me to read this sort of thing. The goal with Amram was to finally let him be the monster on the outside. He was on the inside. And so the sequence felt thematically right to me in outlining and writing. Since publication, though, I've walked back this opinion somewhat. Uh, while the sequence works as intended, it's not quite right. And if I were doing the book over, I'd try something different. Um, so like actually giving it a sequence? I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not right. I think the sequence, I like, I think Kaladin's battle with Amaram there at the end works and it's fine, but like, we don't have the lead up to it. It would be nice to just like have yeah. a little bit more foundation to that, you know? Yeah, like, I believe I've talked about this on the show before. Multiple times. Oh, oh yeah. Whereas like, Amaram was an anti villain and then he becomes a villain and there's like no like transition point. Like, <laughs> An like, interlude, just like an interlude, right? Like yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Like that so easily could have been done. Although yeah. I don't agree with race being like, like given what we talked about with race earlier. Like I think Brandon's explanation makes a lot of sense. I don't think he would be an intimidating threat in book five. Teravengian's yep. way more intimidating. I think. Yeah, I do think I, I do agree that the I think the Amaram sequence is the weakest part of the end mm. of of Oathbringer. Yeah, especially because I feel like it really kind of cheapens Kaladin's ability to sort of like strike back against someone who really hurt him and who was an oppressor and and did that and it's like well now you're allowed to do that because he's a big crystal monster monster. as opposed to like Kaladin getting to confront the light eyes person who did this from like a position of privilege and then we also have just yeah so I, I do think it it felt a little weird and kind of an unsatisfying end for Amaram who a lot of his evil was that he thought he was good and that he dressed himself up in this like yeah the the very respectable outward appearance and I, I do think losing that we lost some of what made Amaram originally yeah. a good antagonist yeah, that, that, rather than transitioning yeah. we lost something I think that final clash with Amram and Kaladin was just not as cool as it maybe should have been. Mm-hmm. Kaladin has some I, great lines in it, but yeah. Amram, the Amram parts were pretty forgettable. 
Yeah. I'm going to disagree just a little bit and say that I think the fact that MRM turned into a giant crystal monster is not necessarily an issue because his personality was still his personality. It's just that he didn't say the things that I think some of us wanted him to say. Like, it was it was much more stereotypically villainy, yeah. Than than their interaction from the way of kings was kind of setting up to deal. Like there was there was missing complexity there. But Amaram was not like completely taken over by Yelignar or anything of that nature. Mm. Yelignar was a source of power, not an overwhelming presence for him. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I I just find that interesting. I feel like the books are probably slightly less good because Brandon is pumping them out on a really tight schedule for Stormlight. Like, other authors would wait five years before publishing that, and he probably, the book, would the book be better? Yeah, it probably would if he had more time to just, like, really deeply think about things for a long time. But Brandon's like, you know, I'm gonna publish the best books I can, and that's what I'm gonna do. And I have a schedule, and I'm gonna I'm gonna meet the schedule. Yeah. So. Yeah, the schedule is really it's really a factor. And mm-hmm. you know, we just have to accept that the books will not be totally perfect, and there will be some flaws, but we can still love them anyway. I don't know what you're talking about. Rhythm of War was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, all right, we're finally done. Oh my god. Um. All right, so. Let's quickly, we'll just do one Who's That Cosmere character. This character is from Roshar. Menace. Tian Tom. Mraze. Void in drag on a horse. <laughs> it's time for Who's That Cosmere character. Call. All right, Grace for once is not doing the intro because she didn't want to today. Uh, <laughs> and so you send in five clues and a character to WTCCS17Shard.com and we will read them each aloud and these guys have to guess who's that Cosmere character. Uh, I think this one is sent in by Hut on a Hill and Dracon7550. So hmm. clue one, this character is not married. Yasna. Not Yasna. Marcy. Not Marcy. Marasi. Feels like that should be really relevant. It's not Calden. Uh, Duke Royal. It's not Royal. I like it. I like that. Uh, Renarin. Sure. It's not Renarin. (laughs) All right. Clear two. This character was a slave. Moash. It's not Moash. Wait, was Moash actually a slave? I don't know know if he was. Uh, I don't think it's complicated. I mean, I don't think he had a slave brand. Mm. No, he wasn't because he got it on his shoulder. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well. Um, Uh, Sa. It's not Sa. Relaine. It's not Relaine. Trying to think of other slaves in the Cosmere. No, yeah. I. Oh God, who's this character? I wish I hadn't had like half a bottle of whiskey right now. Uh, I mean, or, wow. Technically, all of the ska are slaves. Yeah, right. So I'm gonna say Doxin. It's not Doxin. Menace. It's not Menace. I like it. Did you guess, Evgeny? 
I guessed, and I have the next guess ready. Okay. Clue three. Many people look up to this character. I no longer have the next guess ready. (laughs) (laughs) What? Mm. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear this clue and guess Ken. Who? Ken. Oh, no, it's not Ken. Hmm. I thought it was Calvin Robbie. has been guessed, right? Calvin has yeah. been guessed, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like it's was there like a ska member of the assembly who was I can't remember Marsh? their names. Uh it's not Marsh. Rock? No, Rock's married. For, no, I take it back. Rock's super married. I thought because um, he's tall, it could be a pun. Lots of people look up to him. I know it's gonna. I know it's gonna <laughs> shock you. It's not rock. <laughs> no, I took it back. It doesn't count. No, it's that's fine. Rock. I don't have a better guess. It's fine. Rip. Let's just go with it. <laughs> Jeez. Zeth, because he's always flying. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Zeth. Sigzel. It's not Sigzel. All right. Evgeny, did you guess? I guessed Ken. Oh, right, 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 right. Clue four. This character is known for wearing an earring. Vin. It's not Vin. <laughs> Dang it. He's married. <laughs> he's married. How, how many? Yeah, I was yeah, never really a slave either. Yeah. I, I mean. I, I, will, I will say, though, like, earring immediately triggered Vin yeah. in my head. Yeah. That's Vin's cool. earring. Vin's earring. Sirens. I felt like I had to get it out before someone else did. <laughs> That's true. Is known for wearing an earring? He's known for wearing an earring. Is it Seizen? It is Seizen! Hey! Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm a little sketch on whether the character is technically a slave or not, but, I mean, kind of. They're, yeah. they're, 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 they're property. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I, think, I, I that think that works. I think, I think it works. flies. Alright, and clip five was, this character is not a member of a religion. Hmm. Does well, being a whoa, whoa, make whoa, you a whoa. member of a religion? I feel like you get a membership <laughs> I mean, card does, when you does Harmony worship himself? I don't think so. Like, let's. I think honest. Late Slog would take issue with that logic, Feather. I no, no. I I think he's absolutely a member of a like he's the target, the subject of a religion. I think that makes yeah. him a part of it. I'm glad we didn't get to this clue, so I don't <laughs> get to. Nitpick but him. also, I he's like not how an adherent. He people look up to him. He's yeah. God. Uh, yeah. Also, he's tall. Also, he's tall. So Feather was right in guessing a tall person. <laughs> I thought it might be a double meaning. Yeah, nice. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Okay, well, Ben's gonna have so much fun editing this uh, heap of an episode. She has the whole week off. Yeah. Good luck with that, Ben. Uh, you can find us on 70shard.com for all your news, discussion, theories, and fun that you could ever want. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, we, we do streams on YouTube sometimes. Uh, you can support us on Patreon uh, if you to want. To vote in art polls. Yep, yep. Polls. And it's only $1 to join our Patreon if you wish to join. Uh, so it, it costs you almost nothing. Uh, but only do it if you can, of course. Um, yeah. Don't give us money that you can't afford but yeah you can leave us a review on itunes uh and uh yeah we'll see you next time for maybe moash or maybe moash already occurred i don't know i don't know whatever we'll see uh, time time is weird time is weird time, to force is weird, the future is not of honor <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> but that void binding chart's in the future. That much I know. Maybe. No, Maybe. I, I, I have no idea. Uh, we don't know anything. All right. Bye. 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 Call.